1: Now recording, and this is Out Now with Aaron Abe. I am Aaron, and Abe is, he might be here, actually. He might show up, but he's, he's been busy. He's been a busy bee lately, but he might go up. Regardless, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss, normally discuss new movies weekly. However, every now and then we have special bonus episodes, whether it's one of our fun commentary tracks or something completely different. And this is one of our fun commentary tracks. This is commentary track February 2021, the second installment in our Hannibal Lecter series that we're going to be doing for the first five months of this year. Last month, we gave you Manhunter, so this week, naturally, we are giving you Jonathan Demme's 1991 Best Picture winner, Silence of the Lambs. There's going to be a lot to talk about here, and that's good, because joining me to discuss Silence of the Lambs, we have host of the Brandon Peters Show. Believe me, you don't want this guy inside your mind. It's Brandon Peters.
2: Quid pro quo, Aaron. Who else is on the podcast? Quid pro quo.
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) good thing you asked, because also joining us from Milky Way Blues,
3: he's making a new suit. It's Yancey Burns. Never ready for this, and once again, I am not ready for this. Hey, guys, welcome. Thanks for having me here. <laughs> Can't wait. And lastly, joining us from Forbes,
1: clearing the bugs out of his throat, it's Scott Oh,
4: Always a pleasure. I had something clever 10 seconds ago, but I forgot about it already.
2: <laughs> that's, that's, well, a good, I, that's my favorite Hannibal Lecter line. It's <laughs> <laughs> from Rising, right?
4: Yes. Yeah. Speaking of which, was that much closer to Hannibal Rising?
3: <laughs> I've never seen that. Oh, oh man. Yep. Well then so far you're living life right. <laughs> yeah, yes. Gaspar is <laughs> gonna get some some good
1: money out of this one, let me tell you. But we're not here to talk about Hannibal Rising just yet. Uh we're gonna talk about Silence of the Lambs. Uh for those of you that don't know what's up, we're gonna do a commentary track here, which basically means we're gonna have the movie playing in the background on mute while Scott, Brandon, Yancey, and I are just gonna talk over it. Um if you plan to f- watch Ooh. the movie, if you <laughs> if you plan to watch the movie with us, uh we currently have it paused on the this is there's a number of releases for Sounds of the Labs. I'm aware of this. Three of us currently have the criterion release. So if you have that, 25 seconds in. If you have just like a regular release, we're at the MGM logo after we paused it where the the lion roars for the second time. So if you plan to follow along with film while listening to us, that's relatively where you can be able to do it. Some might have just the Orion logo. Godspeed. You'll figure it out. Um so yeah, cool. with that in mind, <laughs> I'm gonna count down from the from three and say go just going to keep talking if you're just listening to yeah
2: for this one can we count down from three two one no
1: (laughs) because you asked nicely yes we can do that but i'm going to count down from three and understand by the way with your background
2: you might want to watch where you're sitting if you're a direct location where i think you are in that in that cell room i'm keeping that in mind there might be stuff getting Uh, flung in the air
1: yeah (laughs) um With all that said. If you're listening to Listen, you're good. Just keep listening. I'm going to count down for three now. You guys ready? Ready. (laughs) Three, two, one. That is the Orion logo that's right after the (laughs) end. Here we go. (laughs) Big screen. So it's, it's pretty all- the scene. Watch. Might be might be three seconds away. We're going to talk about that See scene and the through. other there's two scenes in this movie that young Aaron did not understand when he was watching this as a child. Hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh speaking of which, let's get to this right now as we listen this to is the Dino
2: howling. De renta's favorite Hannibal Lecter movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Much like we just talked about uh Denzel Washington chasing after seven. Uh D- Dino seemed to want to chase after Hannibal ever since after this movie came out.
2: Yes, kids, if you love tell me something that's it, I mean, it was the, really, the it was little successful. things. Sorry, the little things. <laughs> yeah. Tell me something's like a Japanese film. Why have a okay anyways.
1: Um <laughs> going to say, oh, I was gonna talk about when we first saw this movie. We kinda of talked about this a little bit of the Manhunter commentary, at least I did, just because of the relative proximity of this film and Discovering it versus discovering Manhunter. Uh but with that said, I saw this movie when I was quite young. I think I've talked about this many times before, specifically when we did our T Two commentary, but T Two is like a movie I grew up with, essentially. Um this movie, not so much despite being the same year, but I did see this quite early on, as in like when it was on video, I have seen this movie already. Um it's a watch. Like, it's not one that, like, ruined me any, by any means, but it's certainly, like, I think that's, that speaks to the power of how good this movie is, where outside of the horror aspects, there's just a really good police procedural here, so it really mm-hmm. sucks you in, regardless of age to some extent. Uh, I, I didn't forget Roger Corman's actually credited. I know he has a cameo. I forgot he, like, credited in the cast. Um, but, yeah, no, seeing that, I, I mean, I've, I've, I've since seen, well, after seeing the movie when I was very young, I eventually read the book. I talked about re- listening to the audiobook with my mom. Um, that was narrated by Kathy Bates. Uh, this uh is one of was one of my mom's favorite movies, like ever. Uh, like on a short list, this would be very high up there for her. Uh, so it's it's one that I've I've always really loved as well, just because it's, it's I mean it's a great movie as as is anyway. But um, just does a lot for me as far as being a great horror film, being a great drama, being a great a lot of things in a lot of ways. So, but uh, Yancy, yeah, so let's shoot to you because you weren't on our Manhunter commentary. When did you come into the world of Hannibal Lecter?
3: I, my father, who always was very good at sharing things with me that you might not share with someone who was 16, 17, had shared with me as he was reading Red Dragon. And then this, when it first came out, he, he had me read Red Dragon. I read Red Dragon. I loved Red Dragon. I saw Manhunter. I love Manhunter. I read this, the paperback, when it came out. I remember Gene Hackman was going to be cast. I was going to direct it and, and play Hannibal Lecter. And Michelle Pfeiffer was going to be in it. Then I remember Jonathan Demme taking over. I looked it up. Today, I saw this on on February 3rd, 91. I think there was a national sneak preview of 45 theaters in LA. I saw it at the Delamo Mall. I'm not sure what the picture I had to see to go see it with because you know the sneak preview would be like another picture and then this. But I saw it, I saw it then maybe two weeks before it came out. I don't remember my immediate reaction, um, but I'm I'm certainly I loved it. And and, you know, as as a fan of the book, I'm a huge fan of the movie. i it's one of those that I can I can. Watch at any time. I think. I think it's. I would agree with your mom that it's probably at the end of the day one of the great, greatest, most effective movies ever made,
1: and very accurate. We'll talk about this more, but I mean it's a pretty accurate, like point by point adaptation of the novel for Mm -hmm. the most part. Um, Scott, okay. Scott, how about you?
4: Uh, I I read the book first. Um, I liked it quite a bit. That I read Red Dragon. I saw this relatively about a, right when it started airing on on Showtime, so Bay so Cable, so early 92, um, right after it, well, mid, mid to pre-summer, right after it won a bunch of Oscars. I certainly knew what it was. I had followed its release, uh, you know, for a year before I'd even seen it. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was, it, you know, at the risk of being cliche, it lived up to the hype and I you know I loved it then I love it now I think the last 30 years of crime cinema has only made it look better just because it is still so again not 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 to simplify it's it still feels like so much more than just a serial killer thriller it really does feel like a great american myth
5: mm-hmm, yep
4: and You know, 30 years later, I I feel comfortable saying it is one of the best mainstream Hollywood pictures ever. (laughs) Um, And, you know, we could talk about its legacy, its pop culture impact, yada, 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 but it is a phenomenal picture then and now. Um, And, you know, I think every film of this nature that came after it, including the other Animal Lecter films, have been chasing its ghost.
1: Mm-hmm. Brandon, we'll get to you, but real quick, I, I just want to ask um, Jodie Foster. She's she's not tall, right? She's she's <laughs> she, and, she and Holly Hunter are among seem like the some of the, some of the shorter ones. Um, do you feel like this scene where we're establishing everything involving her and the FBI, like do you, not only? is she already like probably smaller, but do you think Jonathan Demme like purposely cast everyone to be taller than her as far as why I think so possibly.
2: Yeah. And his camera angles are always shooting down on her and from her perspective, always looking up. If you notice there's a lot of Mm -hmm. everybody looking at
3: the purpose of this movie from the get go. It's telling us an incredibly dense story, but it's also telling us a story about living as a woman in a world where the men are in control. Mm -hmm. Everyone is threatening on some level. Even Scott Glenn here is vaguely threatening in a sexual way all the way up to Buffalo Bill, who is, really effectively conveys i think as a man i imagine what it's like to be a woman in a world where men are in charge
2: scott glenn as dennis perina as jack crawford
3: (laughs) (laughs) and this
1: is i mean you may answer you mentioned it. gene hackman had the rights to this and was going to adapt and direct and star and yeah he was going to play the jack he was going to play the jack crawford role that was his intention
3: harvey Keitel, didn't you sorry harvey Keitel isn't he in red dragon jack crawford he's yes yeah He's in. He's in. Um,
1: Hannibal too. He's Jack Crawford. No,
4: is he? Uh, Jack Crawford's not in Hannibal. No. Isn't he though? No, he died in the book. He died of a heart attack in between.
1: Why oh. do you think they cast him and they cast him back in Red Dragon? I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. I haven't uh, seen it. I'm gonna watch Hannibal in between this no. and Hannibal because I haven't seen it in forever. Who's uh, Ray, I know the character that Ray Liotta plays is in this. Who's point him out to me? Well able to
2: Michael Cutlitz is playing that character on that Clarice series I just read yes. today, Um but that's yeah, because uh, they can't Crandler. use Matt Crawford on that show. So they're but they can use they could use
1: Crundler, I believe is the name. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Crendler, yeah. Paul Crendler. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. By the way, I, we're going to talk all about this, and I, I haven't forgotten, Brandon, uh, but it's the, um, the cinematography here. I really want to not, tell you when I first saw it. The <laughs> cinematography of this movie from Tafu <laughs> like that was not nominated... I think is incredible. Yeah, like, there's something so oh, yeah. like personal and eerie. It, it just about like the the way he uses uh, direct to camera close up look into. Like it's just it, it's really effective.
2: It's deceptively stylish. Every it's level. like really yeah, highly stylized, but it doesn't look highly. I mean, when you go from Manhunter to this, you, it obviously looks normal, but it is a really stylized film. But it's, I think it's something that got knocked off so much, it the luster kind of goes away, but it's still there with this.
1: Which is interesting because, you know, we talked about Seven a few months earlier for a commentary track, which also has a score by Howard Shore, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a movie that's obviously intensely stylized. So it's like wa- watching this movie. And I think we probably talked about it, too, but this movie and that movie, which are very different as far as how they're presenting things. Yet they're both the films that like influenced every other like serial killer drama thriller yeah. that came
3: out since then. Little Things is definitely this and Seven and nothing yeah. else. Well,
2: yeah. like <laughs> like Seven. I mean, Seven was like would have signed of the lambs. But nobody cleaned the bathroom for years. <laughs> you know that's what they.
1: Um, Here's where we got one of the other uh, f- big supporting characters here with uh, Anthony Held as mm-hmm. um, uh, Chills Doctor uh, Chilton 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 Alex <laughs> Chilton of course. Um, but, uh, I, I like that he kept it, despite <laughs> the movie. I do like that he came back and like he keeps playing this like. Basically, this awful guy.
3: Yeah, but, um, well, he's not in Hannibal, is he? No, he's in Red Dragon, though. Yeah, he's he's after this, theoretically, right? Hannibal
1: must. Well, I mean,
2: that's the, what we're left with. To yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, that's not <laughs> the <laughs> opening. That's not the opening credits of Hannibal and just eating this guy, <laughs> like shot <laughs> an extreme up. Up in extreme close up. In retrospect, I'm kind of shocked it's not. <laughs> I'm sure Ridley Scott asked. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, no, I'm busy. I'm
3: making Boston Public. I can't do that right now. Right. <laughs> the leering, creepy jerk. This character here again is leering in Jodie Foster's face and just coming at her. It can't help but be a relief to meet Hannibal Lecter and find that he's at least polite. You know, and that's and-
1: a that's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up early on. As far as yeah, the movie's other operating function is to say like look there's a woman in this world and it's very difficult like that's the theme held throughout and yeah the the you know the psychopath is the one that treats her with respect and has a sense of decorum around her uh brandon before we get to Lecter, as we as we approach it when did you first see silence of lives
2: uh i didn't see it so i mean it came out what like 90 and 91. 91 and i was in early like high school like my sophomore year or something i decided like i was like i'm gonna just watch Great movies all the time, or whatever, and I and this was one I picked up at I think they had the Criterion. I was it on Criterion DVD. I believe there was, it was. a
1: Criterion Laser oh, Disc. Lasers. I know.
2: Well, I, I picked up in my library, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna watch this. I took it home that like afternoon, popped it in. And I was just like floored. I really I was like, well, this is probably. Good. I'm like, oh my god, yeah. this is like a perfect movie. Like you just know it, and from the start, and I I was just drawn. It like this is what a movie that just soaked me in it was like great cop stuff great horror stuff I got a joke from cable guy even more um, <laughs> and like it, yeah it was, I just was like holy crap and I had seen seven before this so I mean I wasn't like oh well ruined it because I saw seven I was like this movie was still phenomenal and better than seven uh, even seeing it after and seeing I think I saw it after I think I saw copycat before I saw this Wow. So, I uh, it still had the incredible effect, but like I great movies will do that. I saw real, real
1: quick Frankie Faison, the other like main actor, he's in all, all, of them. all of these movies, yeah. in the whole
3: series almost,
2: uh-huh.
1: right? yeah, And in right, Hannibal, uh, Rising, obviously, he's the one that uh, gave Hannibal his special powers, yes, that's the reveal. In that. um, <laughs> um,
2: <laughs> but like, like I say, I saw I didn't see the original Halloween, my favorite film, till after I'd seen like. Friday the 13th, after I'd seen the Elm Streets, I saw Halloween and it still was above and worked so well, even though I should have been desensitized from seeing all the knockoffs. The original still was head and shoulders above.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I had the but, same feeling when I saw Scary Movie before I saw Usual Suspects. So it's like, man. wow, I can't believe. <laughs>
2: there you go.
1: Uh, so now we're getting, and we're getting this, a lot of, the, we're getting this POV shot.
2: Why don't break. they have glass? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking this last night. I, I watched they're, this the other night.
1: They're light eaters. That's why. Yeah, <laughs> got glass after this. I mean, let, let's talk about this dungeon that these like. What do these guys do for one thing? As far as they have to be down here with Hannibal, like what are the what are the horrible things these guys do? But also, this is such like a a medieval prison that they have to go through to get to this guy. Yeah, it's quite the. And we talked about obviously Brian Cox last month, and now we're getting to yeah. Hannibal, much, so much stylistically different as far as the kind of. <laughs> Uh, lockup that they've positioned him in
2: where he I mean, the room that he was in in the last one was fully sanitized before they visited this one just lock it and let the cobwebs build barney i I also didn't mean to come in at the multiple migs part and yet yeah i'm almost there (laughs) we're getting there yeah um uh, the While it looks like a dungeon and stuff, I just take it as like a old campus building. Like this is like, if you go to college sure. stuff, you see old buildings. Yeah. And that's kind of the, like a, a cooler college has those old buildings in my yeah. opinion. No, this is actually just what Baltimore looks
1: like uh, if you go visit it right now. It's a great introduction to Hannibal, but as far as him just like standing there, like waiting for the oh, yeah. person to go. Like that's a really nice mm-hmm. like...
2: And ruined in a couple movies with... A, <laughs> 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 various spoofs. Oh. Um the way they light him, the way they get his eyes. It's great. Um
4: and you know, I, I think it's to this film's credit, you know, he's not in much of this picture. Um 20
1: minutes total. Yeah,
4: yep. give or take. And this is basically his main scene. Um well this and
1: his yeah
4: the biggest. Well, they, between him and her, I, I guess. He gets it's a whole
1: subplot, or later on. In the yeah, movie. yeah, right, <laughs> yeah.
4: I, I think, in terms you of know, in terms of, uh, in terms of like, their interactions, most of the "quote unquote" cliches of this film, the things that were riffed on, the things that were spoofed on, are from this single sequence. Um, and it just does so much, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, almost
3: It's a masterclass in the way we sometimes see the glass between them, sometimes don't. Sometimes yes. a reflection of one in the glass when the other's mm-hmm. talking, and you know you think shooting a scene two people talking is boring. This Demi and Fujimoto make this scene just—you know, watch it a hundred times. The performances are so finely tuned, and the filmmaking is so thoughtful. You know, now is it a
2: Demi choice or is it a, uh, a, a Tony choice to to look at the camera like, hey, just just look right into the down the barrel of the lens?
1: Oh, that's 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 He's- that's tax, That's the cinematographer yeah. Fukumoto's choice. Like yeah, man, that's like yeah. a thing that. He, and then Demi's like, "Yes, I love it."
3: <laughs> I started doing that before this, though. Is I don't think there's any of this in Something Wild or, or hey, Married to the Mob. There's a little bit in Married to the Mob. I wanted there's a little to bit of Married to the Mob. Yeah, she says. But that's when he started using it. It's a lot of it in Philadelphia too.
1: Yeah, and after maybe- this is when it like becomes more of a thing. But also the genres are, you know, this is more intense. And there's a there's I feel like there's a
3: this was a Demi, this was a Demi invention. I mean. When or at Demi and in, in, yeah. in Philadelphia, when Mary Steenburgen is delivering those devastating, yeah, you know, right to the camera, right to you, it's 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 an interesting Demi invention, you know, because beyond like
1: I don't know, something wild, like these are tenser movies than those are. Like, they're there, I think and there's a purpose there. There's there, there's a more there's a purpose that necessitates something like not necessarily, but like it it functions within what Demi's trying to do better than it would in something like in like Married to the Mob, even though it has it kind
3: felt of... felt like it. an odd choice for Demi, and initially, because you're like, well, he's not going to yeah. do... This. Lord, why Coming into you this. Yeah, this greatest movie, arguably, this and Stop Making Sense, maybe. I mean, he, but it seemed odd at the time that Demi was going to do this dark, 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 because his movies were so full of human warmth, generally, and, and vibrancy. And it's also, I mean, this movie...
1: It's not a huge. I mean, it's Orion. It's not a huge studio movie, but at the same time, he had pretty much torn up studios at this point, right? Like he was doing, like even when he, did, it was more like I'm going to do this movie because I want to do this movie. He wasn't taking work because he was available. It was because like I, after not doing, what was that? What's the Goldie Hawn movie that he did?
3: It was a disaster for him.
1: Yeah. yeah, and that and it was like taken away from him, right? Like it, so, it in the editing. I know there's like two cuts of it, bro. but that at that point he was like you know what (laughs) this is if i'm gonna make a movie i'm gonna want to make the movie i want to make
2: just speaking of orion despite the success of this film they were already folding up like this is and then robocop 2 would be the end of it a couple years later but this was i mean they they were already in trouble when this film despite its success despite its awards they were they were in trouble no matter what this did This was this was this was was an illusion for people. Like, oh look, Orion's got all this, but they were in trouble. Well, they're back now. Yeah, now they're back. (laughs) They had uh, what Gretel and Hansel
1: and uh, people love their
2: logos. They'll bring all of it back just to see that logo on something. What's the creepy
1: kid movie? Hmm. What's the creepy kid movie that came? Uh, the boy not the boy that, that's uh, that's STX the other creepy kid uh, we Scott you were there
4: <laughs> what is it? oh oh the the prodigy or whatever pro, Uh yeah
2: yes oh firestarter twisted yeah. firestarter <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> I do like the like obviously we're you know we're talking about the one of the key scenes here but like the um the banter that's created early on with Foster and um and Hopkins when they're first talking like he's intrigued and she's trying to like she seems more at ease, but then when he wants to, you know, get to the case and he's like, when well, you want to look at this for me. And, and he's like, Oh, you were doing so well. I like that. Yeah. He calls her out on oh. like how, how she's oh. approaching this situation that he can easily acknowledge is obviously weird. It's like, like he knew yeah, she was, was
2: getting there. He knew she yeah. was getting there. That was,
1: you want, you want to see what that segue was going to be. And just like, Oh, you failed that one. Like just this constant <laughs> testing that she's doing. Well, I
4: think there's, to a certain extent, there's a running theme in this picture in terms of, the games that people play in terms of communication, you know, mm-hmm. being being earnest and sincere versus being patronizing. um, And that gets, you know, I'll, I'll go to it when it comes My favorite, my, basically my favorite line in the picture is where, you know, she calls out Jack on being, you know, a somewhat obnoxious schmuck just to, you know, for the purpose of the case mm-hmm. in a way that implicitly insults her. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of this, the the shortcuts that we use to
1: No. We <laughs> got <Look> Aaron. <laughs> so <laughs> as a child, I'm like, what was that? Like I don't know what that <laughs> was exactly like, at that point in time. Did he spin a loogie in his hand? That's I mean Man, that's he's... what I that's what I figured. Like <laughs> I was like, all right, that's disgusting. Then it got worse. Did head so how did Hannibal know what happened exactly? I, like, think knows, I, mean, I mean, I think he knows Migs. Just a guess. It's <laughs> just a classic Migs move. <laughs> yeah, he's like exactly. I, I know what this guy's in here for.
2: They have oh. chats. Yeah, exactly. everybody's got fireside
1: like, bedside chats. That'd be a podcast. Mm-hmm.
2: Fireside bedside chats with multiple with multiple Migs.
4: Um. You know, it strikes me, you know, when, when I do watch this, how yeah. a, a setting her wardrobe is and her look, you know, the hair, the wardrobe, in terms of basically, it's the the set type for basically thirty years of crime scene procedural characters. Right. Obviously, Dana Scully. Obviously, you know, characters from Criminal Minds and SVU and what have you. Um, it is hard to remember. What a trend-setting character she was, you know. In 1991, when even the idea of a, you know, pardon the cliche, a strong and empowered, take charge female character in a grody She's serial killer movie like me. this was in itself relatively unique.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, between the two books, you have like an like iconic characters throughout, or like you know the yeah. Jack Crawford, iconic, Will Graham, iconic, Hannibal Lecter, Clarice Starling, Buffalo Bill. You know, they're we got these Francis Dollarhide. They're like oh. iconic. They've been represented in books. They've had multiple movies made and t- shows made about each character. It's, it's it's weird that from a crime procedural type movie that those are iconic characters. We remembered um, the two crimes.
4: Um I think one reason why this film stands out and you know is that it's two murderers. You've got Hannibal Lecter, who's basically the ultimate what Hollywood thinks serial killers are like, and then you have Buffalo Bill, which is a pretty realistic version of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not a super genius, he's just he adopts like the Bund- the, Bund- the,
1: Bund- the Bundy stuff right with yeah. the, uh, con- you, you know, know Ed
4: Gain, Kemper, yeah. Bundy um welllectcher is obviously a more you know a super villain
1: it's weird it's weird that that's the case well I don't know I'm trying to think of like other what? we've Someone... talked about this before serial killers in, like pop culture and movies and like leading yeah. up to like this point
3: this was a this was a big deal people had never really thought about a man making a woman's suit that was the big reveal of in this movie,
4: that mm-hmm. people were shocked, uh, and it's it's a much the reveal is much later than it is in the book.
3: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah.
4: In the book, it's, it's, just comes out and says he wants to, you know, he wants to make a girl suit on real girls. And it's <laughs>
1: more explicit too. I mean, yeah. it's one yeah. thing for like Norman Bates to, you know, have a wig yeah. and a dress on. It's another thing for an actual body suit to be. And show him, like, yeah. like show yeah. him making this, show him sewing it together, and everything. Showing the the crime pictures on the wall and whatnot. Um, now right. you know with movies today, it's Tuesday.
4: <laughs> well, and like Seven, this is a film that feels far more graphic and gruesome than it actually is because it is so clinical in its
2: violence. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and we uh, we've dropped on the book a couple times. This is pretty pitch. I listen to audio book in prep pre- preparation, but this is pretty damn point to point to point accurate they 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 cut out the stuff they they cut out Accurate. like there's some stuff with Clarice and a roommate and they also they decided to not make Jack Crawford a sympathetic character in this as he is because he's dealing with his wife who has a terminal illness in the book which they bring into the television show Hannibal Mm -hmm. Uh, but they leave completely out here
1: it's like all the cuts are efficiency, like that. Which, yeah. is, which was the yeah. same with like, no. which was the same with Manhunter. Honestly, right. like it just it's the same thing. It's just tightens like, get, it
2: up, gets to the important uh, stuff, makes this mean, is a, a tight two-hour movie.
3: Even then, with,
1: with with oh, Rex
2: yeah. as as a as someone who
3: is using her, yeah, yeah. Which which, and my question is, why do you think that Jack Crawford knew that Hannibal Lecter would take to her? What what about her beyond being attractive? Is it that Hannibal likes? Because that's what, we, that's what, that's what Harriet, Thomas Harris gives us. Yes, he starts the, the serial killer frenzy in a lot of ways, but it's with a serial killer character who's more like a fictional character because he has this grand sort yes. of honor among thieves. He's not going to ever bother her or eat her because he respects her.
1: I, I just like, I just like to think that Jack Crawford had like, you know, like four other calls. He called Will. He was out. He called three other people. They're like, eh, I don't know about well, that. So it's like, he,
2: he could <laughs> 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 could, <laughs> not, not so much sexually, but he could groom her as his type of agent and get maybe another Will Graham out of her for a few years. Mm-hmm. till he wears and her just, out and and Bring it, another one in.
1: And I think it just feels like it could be like a curveball to Lecter also, as far as, yes. that, yeah. you know, here's, I'm going to do this thing again, where I bring in a guy, you know, an expert to talk to a killer. Maybe you know this time around, I can you know, beyond having someone that I feel is you know doing a good job, I can have something that will throw he- Lecter off and maybe give Plus, him a different kind of reaction. Well, because they have no history. He
2: yeah. knows she has adver- uh, adversity in the in her training, and she's hungry and might get something or try harder than a male he picks or someone else. He knows. Like I also struggles. assume
1: that he's tried things already. I think that's part of it too, right? <laughs> like there's.
3: Yeah. He gets him enough to know that he'll like her, and it's. I'm just I'm always curious about what it is about her that 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 Hannibal likes. It's that she's genuine, I suppose.
4: Well, yeah, I think there's a certain, and you know, as you guys mentioned, I think on a, on a level, yeah, in a very patronizing way, the fact that she's an attractive young woman with no history with Lecter and something of a tragic backstory. Her father was killed in the line of duty. You know, th- that's not the sole reason he sends her in, but it certainly, you know, checks off certain boxes in a way that obviously Will Graham does not. If we had more um,
3: of a cannibal, though. Interesting even I, to reframe the story as Harris did it, he almost is doing a sequel that's almost the same story, but he wants to do it with a female instead of with Will Graham again. It very much is that. Yeah, um, yes. And, and Clarice will bounce off. And then the extreme is this villain who wants to make, who wants to take over the woman's role so completely that he can just put on a woman's suit and be a woman. Which I think answers the question of whether this movie has has it out for, for quote unquote transvestites. I think it's clearly this guy. We'll get to that more when we talk about Buffalo Bill, but I because I know that's a
1: deeper conversation that people have tried to hold on this movie for years. It's gotta be something.
3: It's a perfect movie. It's gotta be something to say about it.
4: Well, it's simply I think it's 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 reception from people that like it and those that don't. I think it's a matter of what happens when you make empathetic art that's consumed by not so empathetic audiences.
5: I yeah, exactly. uh, and
4: that yeah but I mean it's, it's it's on one hand I don't think the movie's at fault it certainly goes out of its way to tell you know to say that this story is specific these characters are specific they're not representing anyone else on the other hand part of that you know as a consequence of not having a ton of representation for a given demographic right is you're gonna have people that stupidly you know take one to represent everyone right, um,
1: right. Where, where did where did head in a jar jump scare start? <laughs> Jaws. I mean, Jaws is like the greatest example. But like, was there? Or, I'm. I'm. I won't. Obviously, there's ones before that. I'd imagine. But like, as a pivot point for the movie, it feels like now things are getting extreme. It feels like that's like a a very fun way to do it. I
3: guess. What if we just had a severed head? Such a. It's <laughs> such a creepy place in in American movies to be. That locker <laughs> closed for however many years, and Hannibal Lecter's stuff is in there, and there's a head in. I mean, it really feels dank beyond belief. And then you know. The way she worries about whether it falls down.
1: She
3: and, a- and it's not even a jump scare. It's just a here's a head in
1: a jar. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, exactly. Are there jump scares in this movie? Sure, I guess the not that I can recall. <laughs> there is there's stuff that's like scary, mm-hmm. like like Hannibal leaning up in the car and taking the face off his face. It's like, oh that's creepy. But, like so they're like Actual jump scares. Uh, really? There's
2: moments that feel like a, a when jump the light, scare.
1: when the light, when the lights turn off when she's in the house and then, and like that's a, that's a that's a scare I think because mm-hmm. you don't know where Buffalo Bill is jump at that point. Yeah.
4: I think it's not a traditional jump scare, but I think the way the scene where he cuffs the police officer and begins his escape uh-huh. is staged in a way. It's sort of a gotcha moment. I mean, you know it's coming, well, but it's the uh,
2: the kidnapping kind of ends jumpy. I punches think. her in the face. Yeah. Oh,
3: it's off. You don't see it though, right? It's off the oh
4: yeah. And a totally goofy, ridiculous coincidence. The preacher that he's being forced to watch on that TV kind of looks like Mad Mickelson.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The 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 suit, I think, is doing it. Yeah. Uh, uh, talking uh, about this lair real quick again, because I feel like this is like one of the last times we're gonna be in the this lair aspect of the of the movie. Uh, as far as reviews go, uh, obviously you know, it was well liked, but famously not liked by Siskel. Ebert but was a classic, but Siskel thumbs down, which Sis- Ebert held against him.
5: Down? Yeah, classic he's sees
1: a, a thumbs down on this specifically because he thought the monsters, including Hannibal, were way over the top uh, cliches. Uh, he, he just he, he did we wasn't into that. Uh, but I, I'm looking at this scene now where it's like you know you have. Hannibal and his elements in darkness you know speaking his lines and everything and it's like I'm not saying I agree with him but this is the I think feel like this is like the epitome of what Siskel's trying to point to as far as what he doesn't appreciate about the film
3: Mm. I Mm. guess there's a theatrical element to the murderers in these that don't Uh exist in real life but Mm. man Siskel who I liked more at the time he, he doesn't he doesn't age as well some of his reviews unfortunately
4: um I do think there's a. I think there's obviously far more theatricality, elector and elector's violence than Buffalo Bill. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The obvious example: his escape scene is by far the most, you know, operatic sequence the entire picture. Oh yeah. Uh, it's Same actually so. done.
2: Yeah. Well, I've also seen, and when Hannibal was running and and everything, people are like, "Man, Mads Mickelson makes." uh, you know, Hopkins Lecter looked like Cesar Romero Joker almost with how different, <laughs> you know, how we've come, like how we used to like take him like, okay, but he's definitely more theatrical uh, with it, but it's a movie <laughs> too, you know, right. it's, yeah. it's a physical character and you see a guy deliciously just chewing into this and not, he's not like going campy or over the top, he's mm-hmm. just into this character.
1: Scott, the more I see it now, yes, it really does look like Max Mickelson on that TV. But also, you <laughs> no, pointed, you pointed no. this out in your in your in um, the little retrospective post you put up about Hannibal selling. By the way, we're recording this on near the 30th anniversary of Sounds of the Lambs on the exact day of the 20th anniversary of Hannibal. And believe it, what, the 10-year anniversary of Rising, if I'm not mistaken? Fourteen. Fourteen of <laughs> Rising, of course. And um, in
2: celebration of Clarice, now playing on CBS. Yeah. <laughs> He's got Paramount+. And Plus. I obviously. am a werewolf. <laughs>
1: But with that said, Scott, something you pointed out—we'll talk. I guess we'll talk about this more when we talk about Hannibal. But the TV series seems like it modeled itself more off of the Han- Hannibal the movie, as opposed oh, absolutely. to Silence of the land which is like, all right, yeah. that's a choice.
5: <laughs>
4: um, yeah, you know, I just I I was late to Hannibal. I mean, everybody said it was good. I just I never got around to it. And in a strange way, it for me, it's almost so campy that I didn't find it particularly scary. That's not yeah. a criticism. I found it very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, in a, in a strange way, I I, I think Hopkins' lecture is very scary in this film, he less is. so in Hannibal, I think, because um, he's the anti-hero
1: now. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, he's he's sort of he's got he's, he's
4: a cage tiger.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, which is what's um, so effective about his murder scenes later in this movie, yes, obviously, right? Yes, because like he's um, you, we've presumably you've I mean if you're given that Manhunter was a flop, you're watching this movie and seeing him for the first time for a lot of people, I go. yes, You get an impression of this guy and what he's about and how he speaks or whatnot. So when you see him finally unleash, it's like, all right, well, that's why he's down in the the bottom of this campus <laughs> in Baltimore. <laughs> and to the film's credit, he kind of lives up to the hype. Yeah, well, yeah. he gets away,
4: so yeah. But I mean, in terms uh, of the theatricality of his actions.
3: Yancey, what's up? It's so well-constructed to by Harris and by Ted Talley, the screenwriter here, just to, the way we're following Buffalo Bill and, and, and we're following Hannibal Lecter and Buffalo Bill is the scarier one because Hannibal Lecter is contained. And then in the end, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, Hannibal Lecter roars into the A position with this huge mm-hmm. escape scene that the, the sort of like opening the floodgates to, to, to where possibility, the thing may go. And it's just it's just so marvelous, uh, this thing, oh. just the novel to the, it's just, a, you wish every movie was as... <laughs> You know, this. Yeah. I wish a lot of movies could be like, let's take like twenty minutes away from the main
1: stuff and just focus on this guy for a while. <laughs> like, effectively pull that off. Yeah. Yeah. That Tom Petty song is just. Um, oh yeah, the way this movie Maybe ruins two songs, this and Goodbye Horses, is
3: incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Brooke, what's her name? Brooke Smith.
2: Yes. She, by the way, I'm going to plug. She started in an excellent film, <clears throat> I think around 2000, called Series Seven. Hmm. um yes I still hold up today I mean, it's I'm a bored play bored. on reality tv it's a wonderful movie um check it out if you can find, i don't know where you'd find i have a dvd of it but i don't know where you'd find it Streamy- also the nurse in interstellar
4: yeah she's <laughs> yeah. been game, she's been gainfully employed for 30 years
5: yeah i
3: mean great. she was yeah. she did a she, she was really on anatomy
2: anatomy yeah. for a few years my
3: he's on big sky right now if I may, if I may plug for her, she's just unbelievably excellent in the movie Vanya on Forty Second Street that Louis Malle did in the '90s with Julianne Moore. She's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Criterion put it out on, on Blu-ray. The other Clarice,
5: she
1: was,
3: she, she was up for a
1: few awards, I believe, in that film like any oh, awards, but... heartbreaking in that movie, phenomenal. I think the difference is because you don't reckon... I mean, beyond the fact that her character is not as iconic as you know, people as larger, large as life as a uh, Buffalo Bill and Hannibal or what have you, is because she like. To play one of the uh, Buffalo Bills' potential victims, she had to gain weight. Like that was a huge yeah. thing. And so it like changed the basic look of her beyond before, you know, looking at other roles that she's in. And there's uh Good Lord. Come we on. don't I mean it's not it as up. though it's not as though he you know didn't have a gainfully employed group know, was a gainfully employed or didn't have a great career or what have you. But Ted Levine is
3: terrific in this movie. Also, oh yeah, he's oh, oh, he's yeah, a, he's the, the, the um, amount able to overcome being typecast by this role. He's actually done enough other movies that you don't have to always always say, "Hey, it's Buffalo Bill." Well, he was boring. on Monk for eight years. I think about Stottlemeyer on yeah.
4: Monk for so long. Now. Yeah, well, he <laughs> but, was you know that nice yeah, cop on Monk for eight, you
5: know eight yeah. years
4: did he was, have? Um,
2: isn't there like a a, yeah. a myth or or legend about him having like you can't talk about science of the lambs in his contract or something like that or like? Huh. I don't know. Or somebody had a story. Some somebody had a story about like just the director has told him like you do not talk to him about science of the lambs and like he's with watched, him.
3: Uh, saw, uh, um, Shutter Island. He's got a few great scenes in there, mm. including one where he's driving Leo DiCaprio around and he leans in and says if I bit into your eye right now, could you fight me off before I blinded you? That's a great line. That is <laughs> a
4: great line. <laughs> well, I remember if you read Joyride, which is a very good movie, by the way. Yeah. Written,
1: where written he is by J.J., right?
4: Yes. Yes. Um, where he plays the antagonist, you can listen, because it's mostly an audio role, to the other actors who audition. And there's a number of, you know, known people. Eric Roberts comes to mind. But he's the only one of the auditions that made the character kind of pathetic,
5: uh-huh.
4: um, and to a certain extent, that's part of what stands out about this particular character is that he's not trying to be, you know, an iconic cinematic super villain. Hmm. Um, and again, you know, I didn't know I mentioned this before, but in terms of, he's a very realistic serial killer. Yeah,
5: yeah. and well, he's also
4: scarier for the very obvious reason that if you're a regular person. He's the kind of guy that you might actually run into. Yeah, I imagine most people aren't going to run into a guy like Hannibal Lecter in their day to day lives.
3: Right.
1: But um, like this guy. Yeah. Ones that aren't serious about it, sure. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> and let's not forget he classed up too fast, too furious. But both the oh. Fast and Furious, just Fast and Furious. He's not in Too Fast.
2: Oh, he's not in Too Fast. Oh, okay. no, no, no. Thought, oh, he's oh, not he's in fast Too fast. fast. I thought.
1: No, they they have the the other cop isn't. There's two cops. There's the black cop who his name I do not know offhand right now, and there's Ted Levine. Ted Levine only appears in Fast, the Fast and the Furious. The black cop shows up for two Fast and Furious. Okay, this is, this is all important. Um, gotcha. <laughs> Shea Wiggum, of course, is in uh, Fast and Furious. Then he shows back up for Fast and Furious Six or Fast Six. Furious.
2: Fast Six. <laughs> I'm getting my <laughs> nine Paul Walker cops mixed up. <laughs>
1: Because <laughs> Ted Levine's all, he's all uh, With Paul Walker When Paul Walker's getting stressed out And he starts smoking At that one LA house That's on a cliff That everyone uses in LA When they get movies like that
2: gotcha. he's like, So he's in The The Not 2-2 two, two. Got it Oh um, yes, Correct and
1: <laughs> Anyway, this Jack Crawford's getting the uh, This is that scene where Jack Crawford's like You got really pissed at me, huh? Uh, and I, I just... Yeah. Again, it's that camera shot, but just the way he looks at her is just very. Well, the
2: way, strange. they just back of his head talking to her too. Her that's that's her effective, head. too. Yeah. Um.
3: You mean he's toying with her, and even now, when he's trying to be honest with her, he's he's, and he's he's constantly balancing the line
4: between. He's basically, I respect you, but without being patronizing. Right. And you know, through you know, he fails here and there. And that's, that's part of the conflict between these two characters that are, you know, on the same side, want the same things, yada, yada, yada. Um, um, and on one hand, he's right. If he had sent her in there saying, hey, can you he help, me, help me catch Buffalo Bill? It wouldn't have worked.
1: Um, Where's Scott Glenn at this point? He's coming off, what, Red October?
4: He's a character actor.
1: But is is he like he's, October he's more straight laced. So i trying to think is he because you know he comes, he starts out, he's playing greasier guys, right? But then he like the right stuff, I guess he's in. But even then, he's like the jokester and as as a shepherd, him definitely. and Gordo. Um but though he wants he has what? Um he's in the keep, right? He's in the keep. I was a he's got
2: see. backdraft this same year. Wow, well, it
1: was a big year for for Scott mm-hmm. Clem, <laughs> uh y- he, had- he was in the original Man on Fire because he was creasy in that yeah. in that version. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: He's. So I'm trying to think if this is like a different. Because you, Scott, your character actor is accurate. I'm just trying to think if it, he yeah. like straight laced characters like this in other worlds beforehand. guess my so.
4: recollection, he basically plays everybody. Uh, but I do know he was famous enough to get billing above the uh, title. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's Jody Foster, Anthony Hopkins, and
1: then Scott Glenn, then the title um that's just a good agent right there so that yeah is. yeah
2: because i mean leading up to this he's got i mean yeah we hunt for october before that it's miss Fire, not, Tractor, subtle, not subtle not a lot of tv silverado, silverado. That, oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's 85 so that's a
3: big enough to him still to be a.
1: a um, well i feel like the right stuff was like a big one for a lot of those guys like that you too,
4: know. yeah and, Coincidentally, because they were made around the same time, backdraft has some similarities to this picture. Yeah. There
1: is a <laughs> there is a, a spooky killer out yeah. there starting you know, fires. You know, use an arsonist to catch an arsonist type thing. Oh, and it's him, right? He's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, after yeah. Remembering backdraft as we speak. <laughs> um he did his like, I needed the money or some random reason. I forget what it's exactly. <laughs> You jump, I jump. I've, I've seen Backdraft, I think, once in full. Um, yeah, me too. When it came out, that's it. And it, it it made it, but it made for a great Universal Studios uh, fire show. So. Too hot. Too hot for me. Sorry. That's mean. too fast. <laughs> too fast You're furious. He's not in that. Too hot. <laughs> um, Is there someone yeah. famous in this scene? We, we've passed by Romero, I think, already, right? And we haven't got to Chris Isaac yet.
3: There's uh-huh. all the <laughs> demi players sort of throughout. Tracy yeah. Walter. Right? Tracy Walter. Yeah, we saw Tracy Walter. I mean, that old guy who plays the. It uh, gives them all the stuff to put under their nose.
1: See, again, it's like. There's just. <laughs> like, everybody's tall. Like, it's so. And the, <laughs> the cameras are so deliberate in what they're doing as far as framing her. Scott, you're talking about um the way they're presenting Ted Levine you know, as Buffalo Bill, as far as him being like realistic. That's a demi thing in general, right? Like his movies yes. are largely about human characters. Yes. Suffice it to say, right? And
4: I think that's part of what makes this film stand out. You know, not to sound like a broken record, but this film was not remotely concerned about being cool or being hip or being edgy. Um, it is a human drama, it's her human drama. And as much of an impression as Anthony Hopkins makes, he never remotely takes over the story. No. Um, and, you know, the, the, her story, especially in terms of, you know, pardon cliche, her versus the men in the world, you know, one of her biggest personal triumphs is what we just saw right there, where she has to muster up the courage to do something as simple as say, hey, you can't be in this room, go away. We're so fellow officers. Office-
1: and that has to be what Jack Crawford sees in it, right? Because yes. we're, seeing, we're seeing a lot of Clarice doing stuff and it's it, she's there's never a, I don't know if I can handle this. It's always a, yeah, I'm going to do it regardless of how qualified yeah. she is to but, do it.
3: If you were going to narrow down great American blockbusters with a, with a female lead who doesn't feel like a bullshit character but feels real, I mean, this is it. This is such a, you know, she's such a real woman in this movie and, her, and her, the way she wins is so... I don't know. It, it it doesn't feel contrived. It feels, you know,
2: it's my number one guy. Is Thelma Lee's
3: the year before, or is it this year?
1: Like months later, same year. So it's the same same Oscar year, too. Yes. So she beats both Sarandon and Davis for, for the Oscar. Yes.
3: Female Lee roles there ever was not in, in a Hollywood movie is I mean look at it. think think about what she how she commands this movie being the smallest person in it you know yeah I mean she's got a new movie coming out this Friday Uh,
1: the the, the the Mauritanian.
4: Yes, I was, <laughs> I'll let you mispronounce it. Um, and, you know, it is it's it is what it is, but she's terrific in it. And it's just the run from this move from The Accused, which she won her first Oscar, which then was followed up by this where she won her second Oscar, which is not something that happens very often. Uh, yeah, yeah but she, had a, she had a run from here to like Contact in 97 that was just Jesus. Summersbee, <laughs> <laughs> Maverick, Contact um yeah now um and yeah just it's it's it, it's 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 one of the great streaks of any modern actor in the last 30 years it's I a
1: rely it's a re- like the same with like there was what that meryl street period from like what the the lots yeah. to the mid 10s yeah. like that like that judy foster seemed to have and she was you know she's older at that point Judy yeah. Foster seemed to have that as far as like you know female stars A-list stars go without being like a blockbuster Star just someone that's just like a reliable Actor that can you know in a mid-budget Movie that can work
3: yeah um, very smart about The roles that she took I, I saw Taxi Driver Recently I saw her movie Foxes for the First time I was not at all surprised that The role she plays is not exploitive at all It's, it's, it's a thoughtful role you can see Why she's in it and she'd always Courted interesting Interesting roles you know it's sort of the Peak of it I guess
1: You you mentioned uh, Pfeiffer, who turned down the role uh, for the film. She worked with Demi on Married to the Mob. Hey, Mambo. Mm -hmm. Um, We should just insert that more into things, honestly.
2: Goodbye Horses worked on that film, too, with him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: But she said no because it was too dark. Uh, Meg Ryan was offered the role. She turned it down because it was also too dark. Uh, Laura Dern was up for it, but she wasn't considered bankable enough for the lead role. And uh, Kidman auditioned, as far as people considered for... uh, Clarice before you. Um, Jodie Foster got in there. Who and, apparently what who apparently wanted to, uh, to uh, take the rights for herself, and then Gene Hackman already had them at the time, so she couldn't. Yeah. And you
4: know, the first I remember when this film came out reading the press is that you know, the first conversation she had with Jonathan Demi was like, you know, my main concern is that I, you know, I don't want to make a movie that glorifies violence against women. And Jonathan Demi said, yeah, that's my concern too. And you can feel that. you can feel the effort not to do that in every frame of this picture mm-hmm. um sure. you know there's there's nothing you know no go ahead go ahead
3: No, you're saying you're right that that's why it's you know that I think that's why it, it's the movie it is is because because of those the, those that concern being applied so heavily the sound um, effect of that camera is just like is
1: yes it's, it's distinct as like the flash bulbs in um Texas Chainsaw Massacre to me just like the way it sounds It's very... Mm-hmm clinical but, also, but it's like uh, that's it's just it's it's weirdly unnerving obviously you're watching an autopsy slash yeah. body discovery sequence but still it's just the way they're you know handling things business as usual but having these intense tools that make various distinct noises very much sticks out all these little details just really factor in watching this movie well,
4: we just pass what? what is basically my favorite dialogue exchange in the film where she basically you know he basically says you know makes you know, it he basically explains why he basically patronized her to he get out. she basically says look you are a person of authority they see how you act and that's how they end yeah and then he takes the point but then he goes back to sleep and I think there's a certain there there's a clear pattern in this picture where he's sort of just going through the motions you know doing the job obviously but he's sort of not sweating it and she of course is you know always on always you know it, visually alert so that everybody that sees her knows that she's on the job because she cannot afford to be seen as slacking. And this is the only scene in the movie right here where she really has any fun. Yeah. It's also the only scene in the film where a guy hits on her and it's not threatening
1: it's it's yeah. so it it's so comfortable this scene despite the fact yeah. that she's never met these guys before which yeah. is interesting to be like it, a different movie this would be like her regular pals that she goes right, to, yeah like yeah. like, on the, like yeah. in the hannibal show which is what it becomes. like there's stuff right. like that there's like yeah. other characters that they can constantly have a little bit more fun with or whatnot it's like also, in, oh. how do you how do you play bug chess that just seems difficult to me like what they don't they be moving like it's as they were? The
3: he's the only <laughs> interest in her that she seems to reciprocate except maybe hannibal lecter to an extent but this goofy guy at the Moth Place asks her for a cheeseburger, and she wants to go. Which is More a- than an extent, Yancey. They made a whole movie about Hannibal. <laughs> <laughs> um, what a little weird because he's he's got cross eyes, so he's not you know it's it's. He's also a Jonathan Demi stock guy. Yeah. yeah. but but it, it, it's a fun little, it's a strange little moment, you know. And he's looking right at you <laughs> too, and his eyes aren't even.
4: <laughs> um, and I think part of that is you know whether she's interested in it or not. She's certainly not. Threatened by him, she's not. He's not in a position to do her harm, professionally or otherwise. And he's,
2: you know, um, honest. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to. Her life harder by he's not He's got him. a timid confidence about himself.
4: Yes,
1: that's exactly. he's the, He's kind of frozen. They're they're in their element, so that helps. Yeah. And, and she's mm-hmm. obviously curious enough to be in this position to all want to dissect this book. It's weird that the the most eccentric thing <laughs> about Buffalo Bill is not like the you know inner conflict in his mind about what. He, what they are choosing to want to be as a person, but the fact that they have a collection of bugs that he wants to, they want to stuff down their victims' throats. It's like, that's such a, that's such a, because it's like, that's not just, this is my deal and what I'm doing in my basement. This is I'm trying to communicate a complicated message by secretly inserting something inside the throat of one of my victims in order for you to get the metaphor that I'm achieving here. That's a weird thing to add to this character that's otherwise pretty human. (laughs) Anyway, there he is. There's like a Nazi thing somewhere in here too, right?
4: Well, yeah, I was going to wait till later, but like with all the talk about, you know, the, the whether this film is or isn't transphobic, yada, yada, yada. Even when I was a kid, to me, the, you know, the guy's got Nazi flags at his house. That's clearly more of an indicator of his violent nature than whatever his gender issues are.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> It's an all offensive, all, you know, take... All takers, you know, Nazis, whatever. Here's a uh, now
1: director Cassie Lemons in one of her character roles from the '90s. Yep. This is in, like Candyman. It's like she had, she had a resume going on here for for horror movies as side characters. Are the
2: <laughs> are the cleft lip people upset about Red Dragon? No, to like, this day are they <laughs> represented bad. There, like, I don't know. Like some of the things, like bad. Like if we're gonna play everybody is everything can like uh, can a trans person not ever be a killer in a movie can a you know woman not ever be a ki- like is that when you make them at like one time is it bad for like it's just and like i said with scott's lack of representation yes it comes yeah. into play but like w- is there a line we draw that we they can't be those things because they surely can be them in real life um,
3: well i mean the the, the way you about adult movies and missing adult movies, a movie like this can operate on a level where it, it it's answering its own. Obviously, it doesn't have that agenda to be to be saying it no. all. But obviously, if you're watching this movie for what it's worth, your argument doesn't have any real.
2: And it continually tells you that it's not going yeah. after that. Like it, it, and I when I watched it this last time, I was like, yeah, it's saying that. The book says that too. The book clearly, Hannibal Lecter said, no, he's not. He may he may think he is at times, but he's he's not. He's doing this other thing. Interesting oh.
3: about about the cliff the cleft lip because I was thinking about that. Too. Harris does that. He generally has the killer characters have some kind of physical deformity because mm-hmm. it doesn't have to have like a backwards thumb or something in the yeah in the novel. And and James Gum just didn't get the S on his on his birth certificates. all these weird sort of signifiers that make them sort of obvious sore thumbs, mm-hmm. which would technically be seen as as, as well, that's terrible. You can't say that you can look at somebody and tell they're a serial killer, but yeah. that's not what he's really
1: saying. Part but of think- it, part of it does come down to like the treatment of villains that fall into the LB- LGBTQ like spectrum and how they've been treated. Where like this movie is not the one that's necessarily uh, propagating some kind of agenda or what have you, but you have other movies in the past that aren't really good at this thing. Yeah, or yeah, do you know, it's, it's, it's in a way that's more obvious. Like for whatever yeah. reason, well, this is not gonna- to kill. Yeah, or our, our um, like, what like cruising? Him. I mean, like yeah. there's you know,
3: this is the, you know this is the, the fact you have to if you're watching this movie you have to take for granted the, 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 that in the in this case the guy who's trying to steal the woman's skin and act like a woman is doing something negative that is not related to any kind of he, he's he's trying to he, he's he, he's the transvestite in the worst possible way you know he's he's trying to t- he's trying he he's, when you think the worst thing you might think about men trying to take over women's the role of women by by this sort of thing that's what buffalo Bill is doing you know he's literally trying to become a better woman
1: um after all this demi goes and makes philadelphia so i mean it's like so he obviously affected the
4: the criticisms and i think he he understood where they were coming from um again for me again you know as a kid It's, you know, the movie comes out and says he's not transgender. The movie comes out and says he's not killing because of his gender issues. That's just, you know, and, you know, in the film's finale, he's he's living in a place that's covered with Confederate Nazi propaganda
1: it's it's all the more interesting that like this movie's facing that faced that sort in faces, I guess that sort of controversy. And then the Hannibal, the series, which is well loved by people of this generation yeah. is a film. That's very much about uh, two men that have a lot of sexual tension between each other. And like that yeah. played up as a very big positive for the show.
2: Um, they didn't get to Buffalo bill on that show. So we don't know if they okay. were turned on it.
1: It's an injury on CB on PB on Paramount plus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: It's hard to define. How does a movie set its terms where you know that it is not looking to offend? It's filmmaking. Well, it comes down to filmmaking. But it's not. It, you can't set it in stone. You can only say you have to be smart and watching it with your open eyes to know that it's not offending. And there's always someone who wants to. There were there were protests before this movie was released in the weeks before about from 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 people who are upset about that. Based on I'm sure the books portrayal, but it's like, and that's
1: yeah, that's not a new thing either. As far as like people being aware of certain, like that, that goes back to what like Temptation of Christ or Life of Bride, Just the fact that it exists to begin with, beyond what the con- what it what's within the content. Um, it's a real if-
3: question for right now in in in, in Hollywood. How does in art? How does a movie operate like this without coming right out and saying we mean well? How does a movie just operate smartly enough that it doesn't hold up to? that it holds up to scrutiny when someone wants to be offended.
4: I think you make the movie you make, you take your slings and arrows. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: But at the I end think... of the day, whether, you know, whether those who feel that their life was harder as a result of the art you make are correct to blame your art versus the interpretation of the art, you know, at the end of the day, you take it, you say, you know, I'll try to do better next time and move on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's enough for now of four cis straight men talking about the nature of transgender politics in this film. And we can talk about some other things before we get back to it probably later on as we get more Buffalo Bill stuff. Uh, We are getting another big meaty Hannibal scene um, with him and Clarice right now as as he messes with her, basically, which is just always doing for a lot of this thing. But before we get more to the story, I'll just point out some of the other alternates that we had for Hannibal. We had a lot last time. Um, this time we had where uh, is where was my list here? of Many people. Uh, Connery was who Demi wanted for the role. Um, mm-hmm. he, he turned it down. Uh, and then the others that were considered, we have Al Pacino, Rob De Niro, Dustin Hoffman. I can, I can see where that ass comes from. It's like, yeah, we can see, uh, yeah. Daniel D Lewis, uh, Derek Jacoby, which I find fascinating. Oh, <laughs> oh
2: yeah. Derek yeah, We would have been going
1: uh john hurt which i can see that ass because oh, Dem- yeah. demi-, demi cast anthony hopkins because of elephant man so i'm like i well, uh, got the elephant yeah. man to be in here also
3: oh, cool. um a kid elector
1: oh i'd love to see that audition kid. uh christopher lloyd uh which would have been <laughs> a nice like you know let me change up my my uh what my audience or my my, my look is here after doing multiple robert zemeckis movies um patrick stewart uh Lou Gossett Jr., which I found fascinating. Uh, Jack Nicholson, of course, Robert Duvall, of course, and Jeremy Irons, who turned it down because he just did um Reversal yeah. of Fortune he did right.
4: It's a nice mix of who was popular versus typecasting versus would have been different. This
1: is a yeah, new kind of Louis, Louis Gossett Jr. was like, yeah, oh, right. yeah. Let's <laughs> <who> that is. <laughs> Hopkins has Hopkins been doing? And before. this is, Hopkins, he's uh Hopkins is still well, he's doing theater stuff for like for the yeah. like he has movies, but like theater is still like his main thing, I think, during like the 80s, especially. And the vast
4: majority of the movie going populace, this was their first real exposure to Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. So as a result, they were able to take Lecter just as is, without any prior baggage from that, from his previous roles,
1: similar to like, um, what's it? Uh, Alan Rickman, where like yes. Die Hard, like is the first thing many people have seen Alan Rickman in, and became a pretty standard, like, yeah. oh yeah, that's him, All right. Um <laughs> Or like, I don't know, Gabriel Byrne, <laughs> <And> like the <laughs> like. There's a lot of like guys that came out in the '90s that have been doing stuff for like a long time, but just. Kind of didn't really catch on with anything. They're like old, like Ian McKellen's another one, where it's like he didn't really, you know, he was pretty old when right. he started becoming very popular and things. It was
2: like at pupil, and then boom, here's Ian McKellen <laughs> Like you're know,
1: like what Richard III at the Third? Richard pupil. the Third he got an Oscar nomination. Oh, for that's right, I believe that's right. yeah. But even then, something uh, like Bra- like Brana. Brana was you know he was doing obviously yeah. a lot of, that, and then he became like what Henry the Henry the the uh, the. Favorite. He was
2: always around because of the Shakespeare stuff.
1: Yeah, but like as far as uh, people like seeing him and like oh stuff, yeah yeah. yeah.
2: Gabriel Byrne was like, "Oh, you got a demonic movie? Bring him in. <laughs> he,
1: can, he can do it." Well, yeah, he had a couple dabbles in crime, obviously, with Miller's Crossing and Usual Suspects, and he's like, but well, yeah, yeah, give me the give me the demonic stuff." You <laughs> like know
4: where the- I first really noticed Gabriel Byrne? Disney shipwrecked. Okay. Well, he's okay. Well, he's the bad guy in that, and it's <laughs> it's a wonderfully, you know, be Disney bad guy performance.
1: Hmm. Um, we're in the Buffalo Bill scene where he's. Putting with the lotion on the skin.
2: Whatnot. Hey, Buffalo Bill!
1: I, I like how theatrical we'll he makes this well. c- compared to like how he generally acts with himself. Now he's he puts on yeah. like a bit of an accent, and that, But then when she doesn't like do what he's asking, he gets super angry. Oh, yeah. It's starts like just drops the whole the whole shtick that he's trying to do here. This is a pretty creepy scene. I mean, obviously, just creepy. There's a woman mm. in a hole being threatened with lotion and dogs. nails. But, but yeah, the nail in the in the wall just indicating like, yeah, you know, there's 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 been a lot of these.
2: <laughs> By the way, you're talking about um this is
3: so like interesting.
2: Um you're talking about tall people being kept Brooke Smith's a really tall person. She's almost like my height. I've been around her in person before and like yeah, she's very well, tall.
1: That makes because Buffalo Bill needs big large people for yeah. his Because but Ted Levine's a big guy too. So
3: you can see and they, how, he is about having to, uh, how hard it is for Buffalo Bill to fight the fact that she's a person, which they bring up later. He's fighting it hard in that scene. Like he, It affects him. It affects him that she's so upset. Yeah. He's trying to force himself to get through with it, which is interesting. Demi choice. Instead of making him totally sinister, make it seem like maybe you could appeal to him.
1: Oh well, yeah, I mean you get that. I mean again, the close-ups and the the shots to camera, those are so important to this film because yeah, you get that. That's that's why Levine's so good at this too. Like you can't give all the Oscars to everybody, but at the same time, it's like he is just as compelling watching him in all of these scenes. Yeah. It's, not, it's not exactly right yet. He's not just like a sinister monster, a madman that can't be stopped. He's a guy where you look into his eyes and he's like there is a sad person here who's dealing with a ton of stuff. He's doing it in all the wrong ways. And he's very evil, but still, he's de- you can clearly see that in the face. And the shots that you get, especially later on in the movie, like when when you have when when you see his mind turning, is um, Clarice is asking him questions and whatnot. And oh, it's so that's, that that
2: part's so interesting here—the way he plays it. Like it's ah, oh.
1: child, or ch- ch- Chilton, <laughs> Chilton, Chilton. Just the the all the stuff he's doing. Like it's such a wonderful It's going to be such a good payoff. Roger, that we don't even actually get, but it's just fun to Herbert see. Herbert Walker.
3: <laughs> <laughs> also, a demi regular, Roger Corman,
1: mm-hmm.
3: Paul Kredler. That's a guy who wrote Philadelphia. Well,
1: yeah. cause Demi's Demi's from the Corman school, right? He's he's one of yeah. the, one of his old old guys.
2: What was the as cameo Corman had where he was in a phone booth talking, and they made the him house. like, huh? How? the hallway where they made him yeah. look for change because he's cheap he or whatever it, was...
3: after somebody else and checks it yeah. he oh that's see right oh it's so good
1: how long is he in this mask because it became so iconic so uh, yeah Th- this oh this is great by the way Charles Napier another Demi uh, regular Charles
2: uh, uh, you ain't got no future Jack Napier Exactly, he <laughs> he's also
1: incredibly polite. Like he's the one guy like you feel really bad for when he gets you know murdered by mm-hmm. Lecter later on because he's like he was such a he he did nothing but be a good cop in this situation that he's in here. Wasn't
2: it, he just in a movie we recently did for a commentary too?
1: I'm sure. I mean, Charles Napier done a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know, so but surprised. I feel like I feel
2: like he just popped up in a commentary. It was it had to be November the earliest. the
4: foreshadowing of the missing Ben is probably the closest movie, I would argue, the closest movie comes to almost him. It's the idea that, you know, he realizes his band's missing, yeah. he gives him another one, and then the camera just goes, da, da, da.
1: still, it's all visual, like, yeah. I mean, beyond calling oh, yeah. it out, like, it doesn't, a, for a movie like this, that's not reliant, like we, as we've established, not reliant on a very specific, distinct style, or at least, you know, convincing you that it's not, that's, it does a great job of Giving you the you know rule of three basically as far as setting up what this thing is that's going to be important.
5: Yeah.
4: No, I'm, I'm thinking it might have been easier for her just to go to him.
5: <laughs> yeah.
4: Who plays the senator? I do not remember. You see if it says on
3: Carol Baker. What is her name? Carol Baker. No, that's not Carol Baker. It's somebody. Diane Baker, you're close. Diane Baker. What else was she in?
2: She's like 1990s Cherry Jones.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, my thought is because Cherry Jones has this too. They very much look like politicians. Like it's a yeah. really, it's a, it's a well cast role. <laughs> like it's like yeah, that looks like a, a believable senator that would be in office right now. <laughs> Seems like a big character actress because there's like a ton of credits here, but there's nothing like distinct.
5: Mm-hmm.
1: I think she was
3: like sort of like dishy rolls in the sixties kind of.
1: Yeah, a lot of sixties stuff, I see.
3: And that's I think that's Ron Voter who wrote Philadelphia, that guy is with her. Hmm. The actor wrote the script for Demi's next movie.
2: You know, it's funny. The same year was uh De Niro as a pretty notable thriller in Cape Cape Fear. Fear. Mm -hmm. And that was pretty iconic for a good stint of time getting parodied and and notable, Mm -hmm. but Hannibal.
3: Talk about two great thrillers in one year.
4: Well, I think you started seeing in the late 80s, early 90s, sort of the resurgence of big, splashy thrillers for adults. Yeah. You know, uh, starting maybe with, I don't know, Jagged Edge in 1987. I um, just, sea of love in it, in 89 with al pacino and alan bernstein
1: we've we talked and, about this in our horror episodes before as yeah. so far as like the 90s like not that it was necessarily a dearth of horror but there was just yeah. a weird maturity going on where like brandon even like the slashers were kind of dying out yeah like
2: 89 yeah. they all bombed at the box office and then like i mean they were still making the stuff but it wasn't it was just like felt like it was dying but um, there's a lot of really good, interesting adult stuff be- between, you know, that and Scream. Um, and you also get entries like Candyman in there. Um, there's good quality stuff. It's just not loaded with quality. There's a lot of subpar stuff coming out in the same time or stuff that just didn't connect with audiences like Wes Craven's New Nightmare at the time.
4: I, Which is very I mean, much a, you know, Freddy Krueger movie in the shadow of the silence of the lambs.
2: Right.
1: And I guess Um, you're looking at like filmmakers that, you know, we look at filmmakers now and they're making stuff based off the stuff they saw in like the 90s, given like the, you know, and now you're looking at filmmakers at the 90s, they're making stuff that's based off the 70s, which are, you know, before the slashers, the 70s stuff is a lot of experimental things, but things that are still character driven or book adaptations or what have you. So there's, it's like horror that applies for adults as far as looking for something that has some meat on top of it. So I can, I can see why that would you know be coming out in that time period in addition to like the yeah you know the child's plays and the one friday movie and what
2: yeah i mean it was yeah because your genre entries in the night i mean they were killing them off there's freddie's dead jason goes to hell <laughs> um and it was all things were going like halloween 6 came out and it was if if it wasn't for jamie lee curtis that was going straight to video for its next entry um but, yeah, you got Leatherface that barely screened for anybody. Jeez. Uh, but, meanwhile, you got Silence of the Lambs, Copycat 7, all that stuff doing very well. Going for more, some supernatural adult so We could throw Ricochet in there, Scott's favorite. <laughs> Ricochet, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's gruesome
4: and violent as a stereotypical slasher picture. Yeah. That's mention um, I mentioned.
2: Yeah,
1: the Cobra and, of its day. And it, ha- and it has the mm-hmm. other John- Hannibal Elector, John Lithium. Yes. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the Elseworlds Hannibal Elector John Lithium. Yes.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like how classy this prison is. Like, they, they yes. set up this cage for him in the middle of this, what almost looks like yeah. an art exhibit, basically. Yeah.
4: It's ridiculous in terms of practicality, but it looks great, so who cares?
1: And it, also, it further establishes, like... This cage tiger thing you mentioned earlier, as far as this guy is capable of things and we need to be prepared for it. And even have like the cop outside, he asked, you know, it's like, I heard he's like a vampire. Like they don't know, like there's clearly, (laughs) you know, just the presentation of it's weird because we're looking at Anthony Hopkins and he's been around for, you know, decades now. And he's played a variety of things, but watching him here, he's just chilling. Still, just oh, yeah. the, way he, the way he looks at her, the way he holds his body and everything is, and just I mean, obviously we know what's coming.
2: <laughs> if you if you book in the decade, he's Hannibal Lecter here and the original Zorro. <laughs> at the end yeah. of decade. Like, <laughs> he goes from like scariest dude alive to oh, aged hero. And well, I think and something somehow of, Mexican.
4: Well, I think something about it after the opposite that always stood out to me is that. He is known as a very serious and prestigious actor who, in my opinion, frankly, is at his best in sort of unapologetic Pulp Fiction,
1: like Zorro, like Thor, like Bram Stoker's Transformers. Dracula. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you, yeah, he's certainly you, at home. Scott, what uh, you're saying is like he's a Donald Pleasance or a Peter Cushman. Yes. Lover. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. He's, he's a yeah, he's like, Donald Pleasance with an Oscar.
4: Yeah. Um, and frankly, I think Scarlett Johansson is the same way. She was somebody that came on the scene as sort of a very serious prestigious actress but really i think you know she is at her best and most comfortable in high quality schlock um and that's that's not a talent everybody has
1: yeah the, the error prestige yeah. that comes with the <laughs> the error prestige that comes with these actors that you think have a certain kind of understanding of what you're getting when you see on screen yeah. and then he's in like most of transformers the last night <laughs>
2: having a ball yeah i was gonna say uh some of the other horror in this set we had the resurgence of the adult uh classic monsters with you know yes Dracula wolf
1: um Harry Shelley's Frankenstein and you got stuff like species coming out too Mary Riley Riley yeah you can't you can't say you you have to whisper it or else it doesn't count
2: (laughs) the relic yeah
4: also because you have know, the Jurassic Park They raised, hey we can afford to make these big monster movies now let's go have fun and then almost none of them made money
1: <laughs> well you know what they say Scott Scott, size does matter I think that's yes
4: uh, although I, I will defend the relic unto death
1: well, the, like the relic's the relic. awesome that's on oh, our yeah. list that's on our list of, like, <laughs> you know, when, when we don't have a theme intact that's yeah. on our go-to list of things to talk about eventually for commentaries Here's uh, a good because... shot right here <laughs> Just this intense close-up, looking down, the shadow on his brow and everything. Because now we're getting the whole ambulance. Yeah, really, yeah.
3: You have to at least consider the fact that it was meant to be seen on this giant screen in a dark room with a bunch mm-hmm. of screen. Exactly. I think- oh, yeah. I've mean, I, I watched this on a laptop right now. The last time
5: we
4: watched it was on the giant TV. And yeah. it was by default the biggest TV I'd ever seen the film on. It was striking how big the close-ups felt
1: mm-hmm. and it's because you know a different director or a you know i don't know a cbs tv series would probably actually just show a flashback to the scene but instead it's just all dialogue and mm-hmm. you're just you mm-hmm. know it's it's becoming chilling because you're watching this intense close-up of this murderer uh being you know juxtaposed with this story that's taking place here
4: and you know at the at the risk of stating the obvious jodie foster is spectacular here Oh, fantastic. um through the entire movie and it was yeah. such a delight that she won an Oscar, too.
2: Well, it's zoomed so much in this scene that there's no longer glass between them. Yeah. yeah. Like, it started where you could see the kind of... The and bars. Now, and now yeah.
1: it's just... It's just them, too.
3: Yeah. You know, learn from this scene clearly. <laughs> they did this later in uh, Dead Man Walking with... Scar- uh, Sarandon, Sarandon and, and Rob. Yes. And like Sean Penn. Out of a fence. I another um, terrific picture.
2: Another Bruce Springsteen that? joint.
3: <laughs> great
2: movie man, it
1: deserves to be it, it's so it's not necessarily funny because it deserves it but the fact that there's three movies in oscar history that won the big five picture director actor actress and screenplay it's that it's one of them is this movie you have it happened one night and uh cuckoo's nest and you know the grizzly horror movie, they're, they're the ones that did it
3: um is undeniable. You cannot deny this movie. Yeah, but it, it, clearly, that's an Oscar film. It's a horror film. It came out in February.
5: For goodness yes, sakes. that's the other thing. All it's right. crazy. It had to last a year. Staying power. Yeah.
1: Like, imagine that. Imagine that a movie comes out in February and wins all of the you know the big prizes at the Oscars a year later. Yeah. Like, did this come out before the the most recent Oscar? Like, did it come out before the Oscars that were airing that time? Uh, I believe it's, yes, because back then it
4: was like late february was when the nominations
2: came out yeah 1990? So that's so that's, so, it, that's yeah. insane that's insane yeah. that it carried that there role. was that one year i got a little excited too early the oscars with grand budapest hotel started winning all the early ones and that was a february i think that was a february release wasn't it
1: no it was uh that was that was more april <laughs> was, it? Wait, what it, was Wait. it was way grand- early in the year it was a, for, it, for for oscar now yes it was and it started winning a grand, bunch grand, grand budapest, budapest awards, hotel scott like,
2: I was like, "Oh, oh is yeah, yeah. going to do something?" And then no, no. Yeah, it was March. April. Costuming. Yeah.
1: Stuff. you can say the same for Mad Max. You know, a big yes. summer release from May right. that won like what six Oscars before, yeah. before it's like. Okay, no, I mean, Gladiator. Gladiator now. was a summer release, and no, yeah, that was the like, that yeah. was the the big opening May, or Memorial Day movie, right? No, that was the early was, May. It was the yeah, opening. The, it was the early May. That movie. was the kickoff one. It was my one. birthday movie.
4: Yes, Memorial Day weekend that year was the time timeless classic Mission Impossible Two.
1: Mm. Ah, of course. Yeah, 2000. What am I talking about? Same year as Supernova. Um, I mean, this is like the because this is the last time they're together. So this is the yes phone call. So it is like it plays like the culmination of the relationship they formed. And talking about the I mean, this is why he becomes the best actor, right? Because he because this leads to him just getting his own segment of the film for a little bit. Yes. Um, because I'm thinking of like people that won supporting Oscars. And the best I can think of is like the Joker or the and do if Dark Knight, where Heath Ledger's he's not he's not he's in it less than you think, but he is laced about you know throughout the movie. Yeah, and his it was, presence
2: it, looms over it. Like, it does, incredibly. Yet,
1: yet he was still you know a support. I mean, that's Oscar politics or whatever. But he was still a supporting actor winner. Where oh. you, could, you could probably take the screen time of both and match them up for this movie. Well, and I remember
2: region. what what's his name? Uh, uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Was, Patel? Yes, and he was up for best supporting. Mm-hmm. For the camp. I'm like he was the Slumdog Millionaire.
4: He was <laughs> well, Jeffrey Rush movie. has a lot less screen time than Noah Taylor in Shine.
5: Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Jeffrey Rush won the Oscar that year, um, and you know uh, uh, William H Macy has like two minutes more screen time than Francis McDormand in Fargo. She won Best Actress. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I mean, she comes in, you know, a half hour the, into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, takes it over the movie at that point. Yeah. Um, but as far as this, I mean, it was a little controversial back in the day, the idea that he was up for Best Act. You know, I've always oh, joked that I can't imagine how pissed Nick Nolte is because you know, his two best chances to win an Oscar, you know, it was this. Yeah, and then, you know, Roberto Benigni in
3: 1999. I remember there was a shot at the Oscars after... Hopkins one of Warren Beatty and the consoling Nick Nolte. Both of them have given great performances that year. Yeah. Bugsy and Prince of Tides at the same time, it's hard to deny. Yeah, it's a really, str- it's a strong year for actor. I've looked at this because yeah. it's like- because I, I was because I watched
1: what I watched The Doors last year for the first time, and I was like, How did Val Kilmer? I'm like, Well, no, it was a pretty strong lineup. I know, I get
3: it. <laughs> um, <laughs> the best pictures of Bugsy, which is great, it was up against this. What else was this? up against? Bugsy was like the Oscar favorite, too, right? Yeah, right.
1: everybody thought that was or gonna win, 80, like Barry Levinson, Beatty. Um, they made a big epic gangster film, and I love Bugs, I think Bugsy's great. Yeah, right.
4: uh, uh, Beauty and the Beast was the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture that year,
5: right?
1: Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Strong year then. Three- it's a wild year as far as the best picture lineup. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> An animated film in the top five and a horror movie, and the horror movie wins. <laughs> you have Streisand making a movie. Like right. you had a lot, a lot of diversity going on it, in that. It always guys.
2: makes you wonder if they ever they they don't re- ever reveal final tallies, do they? No, no. no that would be interesting to to see. Oh, like oh, they, lost, they they won by votes because these two probably canceled them. Yeah. Out.
4: Well. One by I, two I, votes. I had always said that if he had, he had paid for as supporting actor, he probably would have gotten 99 percent of the votes that year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> this uh, here, this is, supporting actors that, right a here. This is why Charles Napier gets my sympathy because he doesn't want to put the food on the on the on the painting. Yeah. yeah. So much respect for this guy who he doesn't need to respect, but he's like, Let me. I want to nicely fold these things. I don't want to disturb your thing that you have going here. And, and that's me, literally what kills him. I love that there's a bone appetite menu right there too. Yeah, yeah, that's very clever. Lecter knows that too because yeah. I mean, he's, he's using his decency against him at that point. As yeah. far as he knows that he will not mm-hmm. try to do that. That's how smart Lecter is. And also, this is going to suck. This is the this is the culmination of the close up shots too when he has that that bite to the camera. Yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. It's
4: weird. the scene where a woman, well, person has their cheek bitten off.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that was all the rage. Hannibal Rising explores the cheeks being bitten thing.
2: <laughs> yeah. Surprised they haven't made some sort of iteration of the Joker with that as his. Oh, I'm sure, uh, a, I'm sure well, a there's a fanfic somewhere.
1: There's
4: been plenty of comic books where he was sort of you know playing the Hannibal electric character. Yeah. Um, some very good ones, frankly. That's that's
1: especially because of the when they introduced like the Harley Quinn dynamic to have a psychiatrist yeah. and everything. Like, yeah. It's not not acknowledging it in some way. Yeah.
2: Classical piano yeah, no, continues.
1: <laughs> the like there's a coldness to the way he strikes too, as far like yes. you know, mm-hmm. it's just the way he's just doing it because he knows what he can do.
4: It's very efficient.
1: Mm-hmm. He, can take, he can take his time and everything.
4: Should we let the food go to waste that look good?
1: It's a, yeah, I was gonna say it's a nice looking <laughs> meal. <laughs> <laughs> and well-rounded meat vegetables potatoes yeah. and vegetables he's
2: got a nice little rug to meet the sound
1: also napier's a big guy Like, so, yeah. so it's yeah i just it's neat to think of all the different things he had to plan for in his head about how to go about doing this it just is very you know for a segment of the movie like this it's really cl- creative how like how many things he has to like make sure go the way they need to. Yet it yet like while it's calculating, it doesn't feel like cliched. Like there's a there's a level of plausibility to the yeah yeah. It, happening. Um, this if for no other
4: reason that theoretically, once he disables those two guards, he can he's alone for a while. So he doesn't have to rush.
1: The uh, sergeant's mustache is iconic. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's like it's it's so thin, but it goes so far. <laughs>
2: like, how does he do that?
1: Yeah, like if he was like on a break from being in like Tombstone or Wyatt Earp, like I don't. Know.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they're all terrified, which is a, a great yeah. touch to all of this. Like, they're they they're are not excited to do. And you can see true. a sweat. They, they, they have uh, vests on. They are, they are not happy about any of this right now. They do but not want to deal with to protect
2: them. their face.
1: There's six of these guys, and they're like, no, this, this is bad news.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> You're telling me the vampire escaped? Who else is on, on duty right now? I don't want to be involved in this. <laughs> this is the second scene that young Aaron did not understand as a child. Uh, as far as what is he hanging with? Like What is all that? The concept of intestines didn't occur to me when I was six years old watching <laughs> this movie.
2: He stuck it together with a loogie, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> Context, Aaron. Context. <laughs> Wonderful display. Oh, yeah. It's a solid nine.
1: The thing that stuck with me the most about watching this the first time was definitely this sequence as far as um, Hannibal being this clever. To like put the face yeah. of the person on him because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so wild. It is, yeah, Like, yeah. like, when do you see? Have you seen this in a movie at this beyond like you know Leatherface? Obviously, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, is there like a, a an adult drama that really goes to this you know length at this point?
3: Regular Americans had not heard of face face on your face before. <laughs> that, I don't think.
4: Yeah,
3: <laughs> hear that stuff.
4: No, but I mean, this is a kind of very macabre, ghoulish horror that was not normal for quote unquote adult prestigious pictures. Right?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Certainly not since you know the old and the exorcist. Um it's something they branded and mentioned earlier is that this was, you know, to the extent that Halloween kicked off a decade where horror movies were for, quote unquote for kids, you know, the slasher boom, this sort of put a, a temporary end to the slasher boom. And of course you started seeing polished prestigious big studio horror movies for adults. Mm-hmm. Still,
2: screen, and they start accepting a little more graphic violence yes. to their things. Just like nowadays, I mean, people started watching something like The Walking Dead and seeing that graphic violence, and now they're okay with more. They watch Game of Thrones that has more. They you, watch they, Gotham, they which is ridiculous. But yeah. they won't watch. That, they, they won't watch straight horror movies because they're too gory and gross. Yeah. Like, have you, what are you look? What else you're watching? And then the stuff that Hannibal pulls off on oh regular yeah. NBC yeah. is astounding. Like yeah. it got it got
1: <laughs> three seasons. It's astounding.
2: It got yeah. three seasons and continue to do that. And then they started pushing the envelope sexually. And it was just like it was incredible. Like, I can't believe. It. Good luck, CBS. Um <laughs> on Paramount
1: oh. and
3: anything goes, Brandon. <laughs> yes. Oh. What's that guy's name? The Lord of Illusions. Uh, he was on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, the actor. Yeah, he, um, somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah. He died too, right? Um, lost some toes first, I think. Suicide
2: attempt. George's boss on Seinfeld. He, yeah, yeah. The, the family. Would uh, you
4: have a, and I'm asking a question. I don't know the answer to. You. Would you consider Lord of Illusions a at least attempting to be a prestige adult horror movie. It's riding that line. It's I think. Kinda, yeah.
2: That's kind of what Clive Barker. I mean, Hellraiser even goes
1: for that. Yeah. For I, the I most think, part. I think the problem is that they're just smaller studios. That's the difference. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not, you know, it's not a universal.
2: Right. Um, yeah. I, Barker wrote more for adults. Um that's kind of it was his thing, but you know, his teen one was like Nightbreed.
1: Yeah, so watching this like this is the this is the horror stuff for me. And it's like the oh, little yeah. blood, the little blood in the corner, it's says mm-hmm. like and you're and you know, where is this going? Is the other thought you have to Where <laughs> it's like it's it's yeah, it's it's a rubber band being pulled back. And you know just enough where it's like, well, that's not him but like is he what's yeah. going, like there's enough mystery in what's happening for you to be like like he didn't just
5: fail. Uh-huh. <laughs>
1: um I feel like in the back of your mind, you're like, you know that obviously it's not him, but you want to keep seeing where this is going. Like that's how good this movie is. Like, you yeah. just, you're like, I, I, I don't think I want the cops to get him, but I do because things are scary right now. And then it's like, <laughs> oh no, that's that's definitely not him. Now, where are things yeah. going next? And then the um, this perfect shot to what is it going to be? Cassie Lemons running away. Like the second he, oh, yeah, when he pulls off the fit, like just the editing. One of my here. favorite cuts. Yeah. The the editing here is spectacular. And it lost editing, <laughs> it lost the Oscar for it. <laughs> what out of if you remember, I just, I just had this too. Um, what yeah. is it? Um, uh, Terminator, Terminator 2, of course. Or, so, no, what am I talking about? No, JFK, duh. Oh, that definitely makes sense. The best edited movie of the 90s. That, yeah. That's what one was. The
4: most edited movie of all the time.
1: <laughs> up to that point. So, yeah, now it's like, well, here's the only other option of who we could be. <laughs> it's like, this is going to be so bad. Oh, give it back. <laughs> just, yeah. Boom. And they're like, the TV version cuts so much of this out. <laughs> it just cannot, like, comprehend how to do this. Great cut. Oh, my God. Like, just, yeah. yeah, pulls mm-hmm. off the face. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. And then you know, the movie wants to posit the immediate idea of, wait, so he's gonna come for you? And like like no. no, like no, that's not his thing. And if you're if you're like three steps ahead, you're like, oh, he's gonna go after Anthony held. <laughs> like, <that>. <laughs> <laughs> like if you're if you're detached enough from the movie to think that far ahead, you're like oh wait, that's who he's gonna go after.
4: <laughs> oh, and they also need to rule that out so the audience isn't expecting that. You know, it's it's, it's they need to cut. They, you know, after this scene, they obviously need to go. Okay, now it's back to Buffalo Bill.
1: He yeah, was like, oh yeah, by the way, we, we now return to your regular broadcast of the Buffalo Bill. Yes. <laughs> Remember this movie? <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. There's another serial killer out there. <laughs> it's okay. make and now we're in act three. I mean, he's certainly giving it his all as far as putting the suit together.
2: Bad <laughs> mother...
1: I like that the solutions for this movie are what if we just did the research and put our heads together and figured it out? <laughs> guess, <No>. That's <laughs> what it amounts to. That could work. What if we did the reading? <laughs> <laughs> we got some cliff notes from our, our, our man Hannibal. <laughs> uh, among the other things, I mean, obviously Hannibal, I think, takes in a different direction, but is there I I've read this in places. Is there an implication that Clarice is a lesbian? Like, is that a thought that's supposed to be going on here?
4: No. Uh, I don't know. I do know there was, you know, she Jodie Foster when she was doing plus for this, was always very annoyed when people would ask why didn't she have a love interest? Just on principle. And you know, she's correct. That's not what this movie's about.
2: Well, this movie remains uh, a B plus for me because she doesn't kiss a <laughs> kiss a boy at the end of it. So B plus.
1: I've like I've read like in the in the midst of the like the the handling of of possible transgender aspects of it. I know that as well as far as what yeah because I think that's that plays into what Harris did in the in the Hannibal novel as far as making you know making them love making Hannibal and her lovers in that is and like what that denies as far as fan theories on what's or fan thought whatever you want to call it as far as their their thoughts on how to look up to Clarice.
3: Oh, yeah, I, I I, 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 have, I, I Hannibal is a love interest in this movie, even though it's perverse. He, she couldn't have a. He's a busy young FBI student for her to have a love interest would be ridiculous. I never for yeah. a second she's supposed to be a lesbian. Whether oh. or not Foster was out of the closet or not, who cares? I mean, she and you know, and the be, fact and, and for to have the sequel be Hannibal and her getting together is the logical sequel if you're being forced to write another book about these characters that's implied in this story. Like that's what you want to hear next.
1: Yeah, and okay. that, and so like that argument comes from, like you said, it's like just the the fact that she doesn't have a love interest is like, oh, that automatically means something else. It's like, well, that, come on, guys, yeah. like there's other there's other ways to write characters. All I know is that when
4: I watched this movie as a twelve year old, I was hardcore into shipping Clarice with me. I mean, with Lecter. My mistake. Um, but no, I, it, it's without getting into Hannibal, because obviously we're talking about that next month. In many ways, Hannibal is a response to how pop culture dissected this film and reacted to this film in ways that I don't think Thomas Harris was allegedly very happy with. Uh, and as a result, I think the book as to a lesser step, the movie was very ahead of his time in terms of shipping fandoms right. and how, and how that becomes sort of the primary emotional investment in the
2: story. I think, you know, his anger takes him off course for what his formula is for this Series for the next yes. one by bringing Clarice. It, it seems to be, you know, somebody gets the aid of Hannibal Lecter to find another killer or something like that, and that's there in Hannibal too. It flips it to um, a degree, but yeah, yeah, to a degree, it it serves as just a first act, and then you know he's either forced or just angered to bring <laughs> Clarice back. And-
1: it. remember um sorry remember movies like this where like rooms that people had felt like rooms that they actually lived in not just like products that are placed in a room yeah yeah because yeah. there's a certain level of comfort you get by seeing something like that where now it's a lot of produced stuff where it's like yeah they have a that poster and that game system and you know everything else is pretty clean where this feels like it's you know rumpled like there's stuff on the floor and whatnot.
4: it's a it's it's a very authentic midwestern ohio oh uh-huh Unlike, like, I think they're in Ohio, like,
2: yeah. like a stranger's things where they have like <laughs> 1980s stuff that nobody had in 1980s up on their wall, like, yeah,
1: yeah,
2: um, hmm. uh, blonde.
1: Talk, we talked, we talked about this last month as far as uh, Dino de is heavy involvement with this uh franchise. Um, he uh, um, gave the uh, rights away, <laughs> 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 like, he was like, well, Manhunter bombed. Um, I don't know about this. I, you know, Orion wants to do a thing. Sure, you can have it for free. Something that just seems like an oxymoron, dude. You know, <laughs> just giving something away mm-hmm. for free. He gave the rights to Orion for free to use Hannibal, uh, and this story. Um, to- Even Stephen King would have charged a dollar. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> as you've mentioned earlier, yeah, chasing it ever since. As far as this yeah, like, you know, giant ginormous, and it's not like I mean. Hannibal was a, it was a hit as well. Like it made its money. Yeah. <laughs> no and doubt.
4: again, I, I think it, it goes to the idea that this film was a smash hit because of this movie, not because of some inherent interest in the IP or the source material or even the marquee characters. Because with the exception of, you know, the two other films that were, at the Hopkins played Hannibal Lecter, everything else related to Han- these, you know, these characters, you know, financially flopped. Hannibal Rising bombed. Even Red Dragon wasn't terribly successful. It. it did like two hundred million on a ninety million dollar budget, and you know Hannibal the show may be great, but nobody watched it. Um, and I'll be very curious to see how Clarice does. Um,
2: I, the know, old, uh, the Hannibal too. It, it seemed like a sequel that people like expected was coming, but were patient for it, and then it finally came.
4: Um, well, i i think fandom was very different i love i mm-hmm. love this it's this, this jump re- jump reveal where she opens it up she sees the clothes bam she understands everything about his motivation now
3: oh right away yeah it's great um
4: because again in the book he just lector just spells it out
1: like oh yeah he's you know he's trying to make a girl suit out of real girls yeah D- demi and uh, and ted tally the screenwriter. Um, yeah. Who, you know, won an Oscar. They get how to beef. And I, I imagine Jodie Foster had a hand in this too, as far because, as, yeah. you know, she, like I, like I mentioned, she wanted to get the rights for this also. Like they all had a hand in crafting a character that's smart. You know, it's not like she's done yeah. in the book, but as far as, you know, you can do even more with that, they certainly do as far as how to make this work.
4: Uh, if Jodie Foster has a flaw as an actress, is that she's never convincingly played dumb. True. Um, You know, it's, it's, it's.
1: I, I, yeah, I agree, and that's why in this one it's like she's more caught off guard at times. Yeah, uh, but never like, but uh, but as mentioned earlier, you know, always going for it. You know, he's like, all right, here's a scenario. I'm going to go for it. I might be in over my well, head, I, but I'm not. I
4: see. think this is a film that type, partially the typecaster is somebody that was very intelligent. Yeah, uh, I I love that he does say, look, you know, we wouldn't have done this without you. It's it's a it's probably his first genuine interaction with her. That their "quote unquote" partnership began, and it's it's you know low key moving.
1: What kind of name is Jame?
3: Uh, a typo. Uh, they left the S. It's in, the, in the book, it's that they left the S off his. It's another one of these weird markers that the serial yeah. killers have for for <laughs> Yeah,
1: just Jame. It's such a. It's like it's, it's hard good. to say.
3: <laughs> yeah, Jame, Jame Gum. <laughs> well, it wasn't any the idea. Is that it's a mistake. Mm-hmm. You know. Just like him. Here
1: we go. That's why he's so tortured. Anyway, here comes the fun stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this oddly I wasn't confused by. I was like, all right. <laughs> As a child. Like, hey, he made a suit. It's that's weird. I but in,
2: I, I go, get it. The last time we were allowed to like go to Halloween things, I that's what I was I was him in this scene. <laughs> yeah. Pretty awesome. A dog? Know. Yes. I had the dog, I had lotion, I had a basket. I had a bodysuit.
1: <laughs> Clever on um on her part too trying to get out of this hole. Mm-hmm. Her have a, her strategy is to threaten the man, which is that's a bold one. <laughs> I yeah. that like <laughs> I appreciate her comparative ruthlessness
4: in threatening the dog.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what else do you do, right? It's like, well, you're gonna die regardless down here, so this is like the only Mm -hmm. solution I came up with. Yeah, I guess he has like a ladder, right? Like, how else are you getting them out, right? Because that's a pretty big pit. I don't know. I I don't. Pulley system. I was gonna say a ladder pulley system. I guess it's a well, right? So there could be like a pulley above it or something that he moves around. Here we go. Must be a good chicken that he made. A dog wants that <laughs> oh.
5: Yeah.
1: Uh Thomas Harris didn't have any involvement with this movie, by the way. He oh. they had he had the book and he said, You guys do what you can and good on you. <laughs> That's pretty much his involvement. Not out of spite, like he was perfectly fine with it being adapted, but he just didn't have any, you know, he he's not a movie guy <laughs> it's until yeah. after, yeah. until after this, he was like, all right, play let me, let me write something. <laughs> let me do something else.
5: You guys it's funny because, you know,
1: my,
4: you know, state of mind experience, whatever, when I first saw this, like, I get what he's doing, but like, to me, like, he just looks like a heavy metal rocker.
1: Oh yeah, he's born like a decade too late. That's the problem. Yeah. Like he'd be perfectly fine in the 80s like doing some glam yeah. rock stuff. He could find his scene a little bit better. Yeah. And he'd make his own costumes. <laughs> like then you have to organize all this FBI stuff and like planes on tarmacs and things to make it all official. Mm-hmm. so i think we briefly brushed on this last time but do you call this film a sequel
4: i do loosely and maybe ironically so at the end of the day it, it, it does have a predecessor
2: nothing negates the predecessor really yeah aside from cat a couple cat you know casting so that's, changes, yeah. but that's standard yeah I mean, back in the day when you could do that without having to kill somebody off or something. You could just <laughs> recast a part. Yeah. Because that's... Um. When you get
1: asked, you know, what are the best sequels of all time? If you're saying that this is one of the great American films, hard not to say this movie then, right?
2: But then there's the fact that they made Red Dragon with Hopkins that is just... Awful. Um, so... um does that change the course of, I don't know. Um, oh, well, I mean, that's why the x yeah. bug me <laughs> because they're all over the place.
3: I've never heard this movie referred to as a sequel before.
2: Strangely yeah. enough. It stands on its own as well too. And so um,
3: few people saw that in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Cause I only like just started talking
1: about and it it's obvious, but I only just started talking about like from Russia with love as a sequel. Like yeah. obviously it's a continuation of that franchise as they see. But like as far as there was a first one and there was a second one, I look at Promotion of Love and see that that is one of the best sequels of all time in terms of yep. The degree, yeah. the degree of escalation and quality between the first and the second. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, where like That's the rest of the like because Bond is such a huge franchise and it's so like you big. you see these? Think yeah, it's another Bond movie. But when I look at from Russia, it's like that is like that is the second Bond. That's a yeah, sequel. Yeah. And it's so, and yeah. It's so and it's so good. But, right. like, so it's like yeah, that would be one of the best sequels of all time.
2: Yeah, um, it gets overlooked a lot <laughs> in that well, regard. It's, yeah, but it's, I mean it's
4: when I when I rewatched all of them back in the first month of quarantine 10 years ago. Just for fun, because um, there's
2: no movie coming out. Exactly.
4: Um, <laughs> I and, I you know, well, for much was love. I mean, my thought was that even if the series had stopped at, like, three or four, that movie would still be one of the best action thrillers of the 60s or okay. the 50s, 60s, and 70s. Yeah. It's just right. on its own... The force from the franchise and the iconography It's just a kick-ass action movie.
2: Oh, the final act is like action scene upon action scene. oh yeah, it's North great. by Northwest on steroids. Yeah, yeah. that's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's,
4: I imagine George Lucas would just go, "Holy
5: shit!"
1: So here's another oh. one of the like great edits in cinematic history, right oh, here. Yeah. This series of scenes, right here, as far as the, the, you, big you the overdone FBI. bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have the FBI on outside of a door that you're convinced is James Gunn's house. And like it's it's skillfully, it's it started with Clarice and then it slowly like moved away from her. Mm-hmm. And you're just dealing with just Buffalo Bill and and the F and then Scott Glenn. And so like by the time they opened the door, and it's Clarice like, oh yeah. And it's like, wait, no. Oh like, man. You know, all, all in one. <laughs> and you're like,
2: I remember oh. when I first saw this and it opened the door to her, and my heart sank. It was like, Ooh. I'm done, done. Um, the guy who comes
1: comes to the window
4: is the best (laughs) I'd I'd like to very quickly point out that again getting back to the conversation about you know the film's issues and controversies again when I was 12 the thing that I noticed was his Nazi bed sheets yeah Yeah. the guy sleeps with a quilt with swastikas on it anyway carry on is this
2: the first time a misdirect like this had been because I would speed speed would do it um
1: yeah like it's obviously it's a you know on a huge scale like, or a big studio. Huh, it's, it's a lost. tough proposition. I think yeah. like
2: Saw did it. You know like I can't it,
1: imagine like Hitchcock didn't have a number of these in some of his movies. Yeah, I'm like, not thinking of right this second.
0: Like I mean, I mean Psycho
1: so- does that honestly. Like Psycho does that with like yeah. uh, with Vera Miles in the basement to an extent. You're like, wait, because you're still yeah. like at that at that point you're still like, wait, who is killing people? Like, you, you know, you're this, well, I meant
2: uh, like two completely different people in different spots. Like they think they're going there. Just, yeah, you think, yeah.
3: It's almost a cheat, but it's not. But it almost is, you know. But
1: it, it's only a cheat if you think because of, I mean, cheat is a word for it, but like only because of the 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 use of the bell, like the doorbell and the bell in Buffalo Bills there, like because it's mm-hmm. deliberately trying to tell you that that's what's going on, right? Like it, and that's not I know what you're saying. Like, yeah, cheat's like a strong word, I suppose, but it is, it is. I mean, cheat you can be it? a positive too. Yeah, it's just sure, the Terminology, yeah. yeah. It's it's obviously trying to make you think a certain thing, and it's not, but it's not. It's not breaking any rules. It's just convincing you otherwise.
2: It's doing something one, film can do and other mediums can't. Possibly, it's if I was going to
3: chop this movie down, that would be the place I would start. It's the one slightly I'm always ambiguous about whether that's fair or not. What they do it dramatically is, is is called for for sure, but well, that's a it, at,
1: at t- point, it's a way to raise. At this point, it's a tension raiser. Right I mean, at this
2: point, at the it. movie's earned it. So yeah, either way, I think it's. Sure.
1: I mean, that's, I mean, part of that's, this is why Ebert gave it three and a half stars and not four though, right? It's because he doesn't like the ending all that much. Yeah, it's, it's, it's,
4: it's a, it's a more conventional climax, which again, whatever, I'll you get to end of it? It's uh, also straight from the book.
1: Um, I like how she slowly catches on in all this. Mm-hmm.
4: And I like that, you know, I'm skipping ahead 30 seconds. She kind of screws up and having him turn around.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, like even when she goes for the gun, she has to double take it because she can't. She doesn't quite get it the first time. Like you know, she's new at this. (laughs) Yeah. Look at like the just the wheels turning in both of their heads on how they're gonna handle this is amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, right there when she's like she has to get it twice to
3: get
2: that gun out. Yeah.
3: Perfect. He knows she won't shoot,
2: and he's got the home turf. Yeah. Yeah. So that no, like,
1: yeah, you can call this conventional if you want to, but it's terrifying. <laughs> it's like, it it's, works, it's especially because well. we know like we have to watch her go from this you know average looking house to hell. <laughs> like, yeah,
3: because you have got a real person in like,
1: down these stairs to this like layer. You know, we've already seen the oh. subterranean prison that Lecter's in, and, and now we're going to like Jane Gum's place, and it's like what's behind these and doors? Just because she lo- learned in her house.
4: training, she checks all the corners this time.
3: Yeah, yeah. I guess a real cheat would have been if Lecter showed up and saved her right now. That would be the that would. Oh go
4: God! Don't even put that. Evil. <laughs> Jesus!
2: All the respect. Clarice, everybody gets one. <laughs> well, even
1: worse would be somehow Scott Glenn shows up at a, you know across the. Coast. Yeah, yeah. I, I saved you across and the. Then they hug, they hug and they hug and kiss. They hug it, they hug it out and kiss. Yeah, fucking kiss. Yeah. Then they see. Uh, I'm putting they, this, they, they see. They see Lecter's ghost of the difference, and it's like, "Clarice, what's your name?" Le- Clarice. Clary Skywalker and it's like, what? Okay. <laughs> too
3: soon. Still too soon. Yeah, too soon.
2: Uh, She's in a she gets wheeled, you know, after this and her recuperating in the hospital and she meets Will Graham there. Yeah.
1: Hey. <laughs> You're talking about the red dragon ending, basically, just in reverse. Right. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
3: There's some I choice photos hoped, on that wall oh, right there.
5: Oh. Mm-hmm.
3: I always hoped that... Goodbye, horses. That Harris would write a story with Will Graham, Clarice Starling, and Hannibal Lecter all in it. It's weird that he hasn't. That right. Hey, yeah. Out.
1: Which is what Hannibal was... The TV show was going to be. Or that was the fourth season it was going to introduce Clarice. It was
2: going to go into silence. Yeah.
3: yeah. I want to see his version of it. I'd like to see what his version of it would be. Because I felt like however good Hannibal the show was, it didn't feel like Thomas Harris to me. It felt more like what Brian Fuller is that his name?
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, At I, that point, I mean, we had adaptation. You know, I'm fine with him playing around. We have the adaptations, and but, I, and I, stuff. but yes,
1: Nancy, yeah, I agree with you. Like it would have been
3: interesting to see him do, and he still could. I mean, I don't know. There's nothing stopping him really. Yeah. He's still even writing. Thomas Harris He's in his 70s now, I think. He, yeah, he's 80. I mean,
1: 80. what else? What else is he doing?
3: Quarantining? Very slow, very <laughs> it's
1: slow. Plenty of time to write something like this stuff right like her closing yeah. the doors like everything's handled so smartly like i don't see there's no convention yeah. here. like it's yeah and even the fact that they're, they're yelling at each other you know she's not going oh goodness i'm saved
4: they're oh yeah this is, each other
2: out. these she, exchanges she, she, are perfect she's yeah. impatient yeah this is great
3: like yeah fuck you get me out of here <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but she's a senator's daughter you know she's a little bit spoiled she thinks that this young this woman is not gonna be able to save her
1: I, I this is a, one of those where I'd love to see it in a theater for the first time because mm-hmm. like just the idea of all of this where you don't know where especially if you haven't read the book if you don't yeah. know where this is going it's like there is some madman in this lair somewhere who knows every turn in this damn place and she's just all by herself every the whole FBI's mm-hmm. across, you know in another state.
2: <laughs> I also love uh, when uh, 28 weeks later did a homage to this oh, yeah. for their finale. God, twenty-two weeks are so good. Oh, it's,
1: yeah. (laughs) Is it right when she sees the moths? Is that when it's going to? Yeah. What's in that tank over there? What's in that aquarium? Have we seen the old lady in the bathtub
4: yet? Did I blink and miss that?
1: Not yet. Yeah. And we saw some more Nazi paraphernalia as well, yeah. by the way, just to be like, again. by the way, remember, yeah, i still a Nazi. He's a Nazi. God, this place keeps going. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why isn't this a universal haunted house? Like, this would be amazing. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> they have Hannibal rights. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. you the
4: old lady that used to live there.
1: Yeah. That's when the lights go out, right? Yeah, it's right here, and, every, and the audience goes,
4: "Ah!" Because
1: that's the jump scare. Because it's like you're yeah. seeing something gross, and it's like on oh, the lights are off. <laughs> and this is where Buffalo Bill gets greedy. That's the only reason he loses. Mm-hmm. He gets greedy. Yes, and
4: in the book, he actually has a line before he as he's dying. Yeah, he may, he says, "You know, what is it like to be so beautiful? Okay. The idea that to him, she represents." The ideal, what he, what he wants to be, which is you know a, a young, attractive young woman.
5: Yeah.
4: Um,
1: I forget how they filmed this. Like, is it? it I assume they filmed it where she can actually see. I, oh, I'm not sure. It'd Be too dangerous otherwise. I think she can see, which makes like. I imagine like it's probably I assume it's dim sure yeah like, it's an interesting like how do you you have to act to this you have to act like you can't see because it's dark like that seems like an interesting challenge for an actor <laughs> foster but just and like just look at the yes she has to combine like fear as well as like I need to maybe kill somebody right now looking at around
2: time. but not making eye contact with the camera mm-hmm.
3: like to be right in front of my face yeah
2: that's great
1: And to, like being in an audience like this scene, where like your yeah. hero's in front of the killer and he's reaching out to her in the dark <laughs> and she can't see it. Right. This is That's why like in watching Invisible Man last year was so refreshing. Like it really knew how to yeah. use the negative space so well. Yeah. And I saw that with an audience I didn't know what was going to happen. Damn revolver sounds always giving people <laughs> like <laughs> Right here, this is great. She reloads. It's wonderful. Like, think of all the final girls that, like, throw their gun away or throw the knife Uh, around. And she's like, I'm going to reload because this guy's still in front of me. Yeah. (laughs) Dying like
4: a... You know, not not to beat a broken record, but, you know, there's an authenticity to this film that, you know, puts it... I don't want to say it's others are lacking, but, yeah, comparatively, yes, that the films that came afterwards are lacking.
1: I mentioned that <laughs> these ups. I mentioned that um, that I listened to the audiobook book. My mom, that was narrated by Kathy Bates. She does a really creepy uh, Buffalo Bill <laughs> on the audio book oh. narration. She, like, she, she does a good job with that. <laughs> she takes the dog. Yeah, it's a nice touch. Yeah. this little detail that it's cold outside. I also like, cause it's mm-hmm. like, you know, she had been through this traumatic situation. Also, mm-hmm. you know, it's like winter in Ohio or whatever. Like it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> you guys know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, efficiency too. Like look at all the, like all this stuff's getting wrapped up with like shots, like yeah. Out of the house dog. Yeah. He's Crawford's there, badge. Like, it's just like there's, you don't need to explain this stuff. You can just do it. That cake probably tastes terrible. Yeah, it does not look like a good cake. (laughs) It looks looks like the worst sheet
2: cake. (laughs) Take a bite out of the FBI.
1: The bug guys are here too. I forgot that. Yeah, the bug guys get to come here
5: to the. They're, graduation. they're gonna shoot their shot. <laughs> it's,
1: it's like in a different world. That would be the series, right? That'd be the spinoff series, right. <laughs> which I assume that <laughs> well, that's gotta be what it is. Right? We're gonna watch. We're gonna watch. Yeah, they are the long gunman. We're gonna we're gonna and see Clarice baby. on on CBS. I assume the bug yeah. guys. <laughs> I'll look this up. i will gonna see if they're cast. If the bug guys are in Clarice.
2: As played by Jim Parsons,
1: <laughs> Crawford holding that hand just a little bit too long to be like, you know. But then the real love interest, like you guys mentioned, Hannibal comes back.
3: Oh.
2: The bug, like Mike Pensing there with the bug on his hand. This wig they <laughs> give him.
1: <laughs> I have to disguise myself with this
4: blonde wig. Uh, I imagine he relishes the opportunity to, you know, basically dress up like a costume character. Calpens
1: and Clarice?
5: Mm-hmm.
1: What a great final line. Oh yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> the I and that again, if you if people picked up it on earlier, they're like he's gonna go after after Chilton, and like now we're seeing this, we're seeing this play out, and it's yeah. like this weird like there's a there's a there's a like a triumphant notion to what's going on here but it's like oh yeah we're left with the murderer is going to go <laughs> he's going to go after this guy that treated him poorly and we're and we're cheering this on
2: <laughs> just like steve buscemi in con air uh, yep. that's, that's that's the most
1: 90s well at least steve buscemi just seemed, he seems like he seems fine <laughs> like, you know, yeah. you know well,
5: we, we don't. Were, know, I think we were they all terrible. seem fine <laughs>
3: it's not crazy. He just says the one thing. Otherwise, he's this man of... Well, he's hate. distinguished, yeah. Uh His
1: hat's going to fly off if you keep paying attention to it as the credits start rolling. He goes all the way down the street. <laughs> he goes all the way down the street. His hat flies off. Someone picks it up and gives it to him and he keeps going. Does he really? Yeah. That's, That's commitment. commitment. Yeah, you got just got to keep watching it. But uh, it... <laughs> this is my smaller TV. It's harder to see. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Get all mm. the
2: way down there, one of the I most guess.
3: deserving best
2: picture winners ever, I'd say. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's one, one hour. You would argue hours. about that too for that year. And
3: I can't think of anybody who doesn't like this movie. Yeah, this is the few, this is one of the well, few. Jean, best Gene <laughs> Siskel, yeah, he <See>, <laughs> like the one of the two best.
4: Well, he he didn't like Field of Dream, so obviously, he has
1: terrible taste. Yeah. There he dropped it. There, there it goes. it went off, and the guy picks it up. and hands it back. Yeah.
2: And
1: keep going. To to be fair, it is a windy day. Like, look at the look at the palm trees. They're Mm -hmm. all over the place. It's it's not it's not cool. Hmm. But it is a terrific like (laughs) just way to leave you. Where she's you know she's done this thing and you've been separated enough from Lecter, so you kind of forget about him, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's out there. <laughs> like, it leaves you with, oh, he's going to go kill that guy. Good for everybody got what they wanted. Like, we're all happy.
5: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: but it's a very, you know, it's almost subversive, except that, you know, again, getting into the next book-class movie, you know, they don't seem to realize that he doesn't just kill root people. You know, and they make a point when he breaks out of the, uh, when he, when he
1: escapes and he kills the high ambulance people, he kills a tourist, you know.
5: Yeah.
1: It's 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 all necessity at that point. Yeah. It's unfortunate necessity, but it's a necessity nonetheless. Even then though, I mean, it's not like he was put down in that prison because he killed a couple people. Like he was doing this (laughs) for for a while with like, I
3: assume like his patients, like the ones that didn't have like, yeah. Families or whatever. When, when 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 people worry about the coastal elites, are they worrying about people like Hannibal Lecter? When they talk about, I guess they really are with the Pizzagate.
1: Well, as, I mean, yeah, <laughs> to, uh, what, Tom Hanks and everyone drink baby blood and like, stuff. So of, of course. course, like that's asking what, what it wait, is. Wait, wait, you don't?
2: <laughs> I did a, a negotiation. It's delicious. Right?
1: You got to get the right coupons. That's that's.
2: <laughs> uh, I just used my Ralph's card.
1: I, I got, watched, a, I I got a really
2: nice for, chalice for my blood this year.
1: Cool. I haven't watched the full <laughs> credits in a while. I didn't realize it just keeps on the shot for the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It has a credits that goes all the way over the. That is like a good credits that like, keeps the action going. Yeah. It's challenging. Doesn't a Long Goodbye do that? That's a yeah, random poll. Yeah. But yeah, I think Long Goodbye does that like the whole time where he walks. He does a little dance after he kills that guy for, you know. <laughs> that was a jogger. There we go. Oh. oh. <laughs> I spotted Hannibal Lecter. I heard I heard someone I dropped him? a hat.
2: Someone drop a hat over here. <laughs>
1: I'm going to get through. So, so going to the going to the next, we'll talk about the next movie, obviously, next month. But Jonathan Demi and Jody Foster were both like, good script. And yeah, it's a go. And uh, Jonathan Demi's like, no, I don't want to do this. And Jody Foster's like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this either. Right? That's basically pretty much what it amounts to as far as them not doing
3: mm-hmm. the up Mm-hmm. i thought once they yeah. just,
1: once they saw the book they weren't interested or was it only well, saw- yeah i yeah, yeah
3: the book. I, I assumed yeah, the book
1: already but then when they showed him a screenplay they're like no because <laughs> like oh. i think foster like they got her pretty far along too for a while and then she's like mm, yeah she was nah, yeah, yeah she so turned down quite i don't know the exact amount but he turned down quite a bit of money it was a lot of money yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> had a lot going um. We'll, well, we'll talk. We'll talk more about this next because the amount of like effort they put into making a sequel is impressive as far as the talent they got to make that movie. Yeah. Uh, regardless of how thick I mean, it is, I know you is a bigger are. fan than we are. But I'll be, and I'm, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm excited I to, watch. He, yeah, go back. I, I got the it in 4K. A while, so I got the 4K one to watch. Um, so like a month from now, we will all have watched this movie for the first time in probably a while. I assume. Yeah, but it, it's you know I, I watched it yesterday, and
4: it's 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 still a very impressively made movie that I happen to not particularly like.
1: Oh, yeah, no, yeah. As far as yeah. we'll talk about this, but like yeah. you know, you get Ridley Scott's making a movie. I'm not gonna be like uninterested in what's going on on screen. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far oh. as Demi, as far as Demi goes, who wins an Oscar for this, and does he get nominated for Phil? He doesn't get nominated for Philadelphia. No. no. Like this, this is like his prestige thing, right? He's like, this mm-hmm. is even though he gets mm-hmm. kind of like lumped in as a prestige filmmaker after this, which is like and to be fair, he makes some things that I guess kind Almost of. qualified affected him
3: negatively to be to, to win this because he never went back to being Jonathan Demme again. It's sort he, of, he, he did not yeah. make good movies after this, but yeah, he, I mean, he make really distinctive movies.
1: And then he passed. I mean, the I mean, movies still have like his, with the exception of two: "Beloved" and "Truth About Charlie." Charlie, because beloved's more of like that's an Oprah movie that he directed, and Truth about Charlie is a it's a thing. Um the, the other ones, I do think they feel like they're more personal to him. I think Man, like Manchurian candidate is so much better than it has any right to be. Um, yeah. because of because oh, of what because of what he puts into mm-hmm. it and because he has yeah. you know Denzel Washington, Meryl Streep and Leah Shriver doing their thing. He's and, fine the, and then Rachel getting married was like that's what if I just true. experimented with handheld cameras the entire time and shot digitally? Like that just feels like a neat, like project that happens to have good performances in it.
2: What was his, uh, his final, final job was on Mindhunter? You did an episode of that. I think that was yes, the last thing. That you was you his right? final. Yeah.
1: His final thing was Mindhunter. His final film, obviously was get ready for Ricky and the flash. That was the, year. which I
4: loved, but it's very good. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, great. you know, we always complain about Meryl yeah. Streep getting nominated for, comparatively and eh, performances. She's fantastic in that picture.
1: She get nominated.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did a great good uh, Justin Timberlake concert doc too, which I only really watched. Yeah, the the Forest
1: yeah. one, what is it? Forest uh ten to the Tennessee Kids, is that it? Yeah, really? Justin yes. Bill, like the Tennessee Kids really Yeah. Well I mean he made stop making sense. So him making concert movies, like, yes, of course. Thanks. And he has like 17 Neil Young documentaries, obviously too. Yep. So you
4: know
1: kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> we all, we all. Um, I assume we all t- the movie's over at this point. It is real quick. I assume we all would say Silence Lance is his best movie.
3: Yes.
4: Yeah. yeah. I, would say so. I mean, it's one of my all time favorite pictures, so by default.
3: Yeah. I love Melvin and Howard to death. I love *Marriage to the Mob. *Marriage to the Mob is wonderful.
1: And I didn't. I just caught up with that recently. And as a Very person that really loves hitman comedies, I'm like, how have I not seen this movie for so much of my life? Because it's wonderful.
2: Well, stop watching Mafia Marvel? and watch some others. Yeah.
1: Have you seen Melvin and Howard, Aaron? I have. I have. I own Melvin and Howard. Yeah, it's it's quite good. It's a great movie, and obviously, "Stop Making Sense" is, you know, the best culture documentary. It <laughs> might be his
3: best, this or that. I think "Science of mm-hmm. Lambs" or, or, or "Stop Making Sense." I also really quite like. I think Philadelphia got slightly underrated for being a message movie. I think it's a pretty solid. Philadelphia like, is wonderful. It's terrific.
2: Different. Made for one of the best SNL commercials of all time: the Philadelphia <laughs> action figures. I love. I love that.
1: It's, it's a terrific it movie. It's terrific because it's not just Tom Hanks who's great in it. Right. Everybody's great in it, and Denzel's arguably better than Tom Hanks in it because he has a trickier part. Well, it's it's the Tom Cruise and Rain Man Syndrome. Exactly. It's exactly that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, Silence of the Lambs, we've talked about it. I feel like we got a lot out of this conversation because this is a lot of fun to talk about because uh, it's quite the movie. Uh, but with that said, yes, we are going to come back next month with Hannibal, um, which I'm looking forward to because that is... Yeah, There's a lot going on in that movie uh, to talk about. <laughs> and there's a lot of people involved in it, and it certainly produced something. Um, but with that said, let's we let wrap up here. Where can people find more of your guys' is work online? I'll go in an escalating order this time. Yancey, where can people find more of you?
3: I always get so tense when this question's coming. Right now, I'm just on Facebook, Twitter, Yancey Jack. I'm still raising this child. There's only one. But eventually, there'll be somewhere where work will appear. Thank you for asking. Sure. Scott Mendelson, where are going able to find more of you.
4: Uh, Forbes.com, the ticket booth. So Google some variation of Forbes, Scott Mendelson, the ticket booth.
1: Brandon Peters, where are going to be able to find more of you.
2: Uh, the Brandon Peters Show, BrandonPetersShow.com, on Twitter, Instagram, at Brandon4KUHD. If you're listening to this on Out Now, Monday, I have a new episode uh, doing Lady Snowblood with Katie Reif from the AV Club. And if you're listening to my show, um, you heard that yesterday, and I'll see you on the Old Space show tomorrow with Rachel Friend doing uh, the Colin Baker era of Doctor Who.
1: I- I'm very happy that you think that people are going to tune into this commentary in the two days between now and the Monday that that show comes on. Right. Um, <laughs> there's people that are chomping at the bit for this commentary track. So. Well, if love- you came
2: here first, you could go there after. does it? you know, became, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, Brandon,
1: is your talk radio setup
4: trying to make me think of a a grim, dark version of talk radio slash the fog? <laughs>
1: and <laughs> okay. then the compliment you you look kind of awesome. Yeah, oh, just yeah. call him, just call him Bogosian and over there.
2: <laughs> um, I've never been called look kind of awesome before, so thank you, Scott. I,
1: I try to refrain because it's very easy to. It's just the glow of uh-huh. my
2: my my TV coming on me. <laughs> we already did the. Uh, I'm in a. I'm getting a fake tan. Ah. Right Getting a tanning bed. Oh, now it's gone. Oh, there we go. There we go.
1: You can find more of me over at the code Zeke, Everything I do ends up over there. My personal blog. Um, I'm on why so blue.com where I'm reviewing criterions mainly these days. And I'm on why you we live entertainment for movie reviews and Twitter at Aaron's PS4. You can find all the episodes of this podcast on iTunes, audio, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All those links are available. You can find how how to find our show and everything. It's not that hard. And you've probably listened to other episodes. So there you go. Uh, thank you to Scott, Brandon, and Nancy for joining me for this silence of the lambs commentary track yeah thank you
2: guys hashtag duck aaron
1: <laughs> i was glad abe was able to make a brief appearance on here i know he's been quite busy but i do know he also really loves this movie so i was happy was able to chime in for a little bit uh, but with all that said until next month when we talk about hannibal that's going to do it so until then so long and goodbye
0: thank you for listening the brandon peter show is a creative zombie studios production produced by brad shoemaker and brandon peters written and edited by brandon peters announcer vocals by jessica elsman theme song by metavari web design and show art by brad shoemaker with brandon peters all music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.